Okay. Good morning and welcome to the Calaveras County Board of Supervisors meeting for June 27th, 2023. We will be going into closed session. If we can get the clerk to please read closed session. Closed session for today, June 27th, item one, pursuant to government code 54957A, consultation with council and CCSO regarding matters posing a threat to the security of public buildings, essential public services, or the public's right of access to public services or facilities. Are there any public comments? I don't see anyone in the room. Are there any online? There are no online public comments. Okay, so we will convene to close session and return at 9 a.m. Good morning and welcome to the Calaveras County Board of Supervisors meeting for June 27th, 2023. If you can, will you please stand for our pledge to our flag? Sarah, can you please look at this? I have a couple of announcements this morning. If you're here for item number 33, which is the integrated waste management of Prop 218 item, you have a right to still up to the point it comes to the Board of Supervisors to file a written protest. Um, those written, your protests in order for it to be counted must be in writing. You can say whatever you want here, but we must have it in writing. So you still have the right to do that and you can Put your writing, your protest, and we can collect them here, but we need to count them. So we will take a break before that item so we can get everything counted and counted for and see where we're at if anybody filed a protest between now and before that item. Okay, the other thing is items number 31 and 32. We will be swapping those. So what's listed on the regular agenda is item number 32 will be going before item number 31. So you can make that note on your agenda if you want to, but um, that's the order has been swapped. It's been requested by the department head to switch those two. So we will be doing that. And I will refer back to um, our board clerk for our closed session. Report out for our closed session, please. Report out for our closed session for today, June 27th. Item one, pursuant to government code 54957A, consultation with council and CCSO regarding matters posing a threat 
to the security of public buildings, essential public services, or the public's right of access to public services or facilities. Board action, no reportable action taken. Thank you, Madam Clerk. We will move on to the next item on our agenda, which is staff announcements. This is the time for the county staff to provide updates of upcoming county events that may be of interest to the public. Is there any staff reports or announcements? Good morning, Lisa. Good morning. Good morning, Chair Tofanelli, respective board members, CEO and County Council, Lisa Medina, Environmental Management Agency. Today we have a lot of news. We have some great news. On Saturday, June 10th, Focus and Animal Services had another successful rabies vaccine and microchip clinic with 177 vaccines and 102 microchips provided free to our Calaveras animals. We would like to thank Dr. Kathy Gatlin, Focus members, and volunteers for another successful event. The next clinic will be held on Saturday, October 14th at the Spence Feed Supply and Angels Camp and is a rabies vaccine clinic only. Focus volunteers and Dr. Kathy Gatman will be volunteering their time again for this clinic. Our next great news is as of Tuesday, June 20th, our animal shelter hours have changed. We are now open to the public Tuesday through Saturday from 10 to 4 o'clock. This allows our shelter to be open during lunch hours and to better accommodate our public. We have hired extra staff to be able to meet this request. The new public hours are also reflected on our website and have been shared through our Facebook and other media resources. Now some news from our Air Pollution Control District. Our burn permits issued by the Calaveras APCD have been suspended until further notice. Next announcement comes from Environmental Health. Our swimming season is now here, and most of our public pools in Calaveras County have been inspected. We encourage healthy swimming, and some of these tips include stay out of the water if you are sick, stay out of the water if you have an open cut or wound, shower before you get in the water since rinsing for just one minute removes most of the dirt or anything else that uses up chlorine or disinfectant needed to kill or inactivate germs. And like mom always told me, do not swallow the pool water. That is all I have unless you have any questions. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Chair Toffinelli, honorable members of the board, CEO Hitchcock and Council. Uh, Louis Durham Assessor. Uh, last Wednesday on June 21st, we closed our annual assessment rule for 2023. We had um, a $9.5 billion assessed value, uh, which was about $761 million over last year's and about 8.63% increase. Uh, last year's increase from 21 to 22 was 7.41, and we actually closed it a month earlier than last year. Uh, over the last two weeks, we've sent out over 1,100 notices, and in the coming weeks, we will be sending out over 10,000. Um, I want to let you know the property owners of the county that if you have any questions regarding your value, please come see us. And if any of you are primary residents in the county, you do qualify for a property homeowner's tax exemption, which is about 7000 off your assessed value and about $70 off your tax bill a year. Um, I want to give you a status of our work and what we did. Um, we, we processed uh, two years of escape assessments for our unsecured role. This included vessels, aircrafts, and businesses. 
Plus, we completed the current role for the unsecured. <clears throat> we completed over 6,300 change of ownership and new construction events and process rule corrections uh, for them as well. Um, we continue to work on our backlog. Um, it's a challenge uh, because doing past work takes extra work, and it's also extra work for the tax collector and the auditor as well. So hopefully with um, becoming fully staffed and some new automation we can use through our property tax system, um, we can shore up that backlog. I want to say I'm extremely proud of our staff and the work they performed this past year. Um, they came together to do the work that was needed to close the role, and I truly appreciate their hard work and dedication. Uh, last but not least, um, I would like to take a moment and echo the words of the, our sheriff last week. Um, we need to find a way to compensate our undercompensated employees. Um, they bring skill sets to the workforce that some we can't find around here. And if we're not paying them um, comparable to other counties, they're not going to stay. And it's costing um, the county more money to train these, and these um, employees, and then they leave. And it's very unproductive. So please consider looking into the salaries. And any questions for me? Thank you. Great job. Thank you job. for your time. Thank you. Any other staff announcements in the room? Do we have any online? There are none online. All right. We'll move on to, but before we move on to the next item, which is general public comments, um, today is someone's birthday. <laughs> Our clerk's birthday is today, Stacy. So can we all wish Stacy happy birthday? Happy birthday. She made it to 21. All right, we will move on to general public comments. Any item of interest to the public that is within the subject matter jurisdiction of the board and is not posted on the consent or regular agendas may be addressed during the public comment period. So, we're open for public comment. Good morning, Mr. Chair, County Supervisors. I'm Randy Smart. I'm the CEO and the Medical Director of the County Healthcare District. Good morning, Doctor. Good morning, sir. Uh, we were here uh, about seven months ago asking for a letter of support uh, for a construction grant from the state. Um, you graciously provided that letter of support, and it's been a long kind of seven months of waiting for the state to do what they do. Um, the application was for uh, 3.3 million, specifically to build facilities in the county for behavioral health. Um, the challenge of that application is the state allocated 480 million to that cause. But then they divided the state up into regions, like San Francisco got 120 million, LA got 70 or 80 million, and then there was a category called the rest of California. In Sacramento, they think of us as the rest of California. And that was 23 counties competing for 15 million. The priority was tribal uh, priorities, also included inpatient priorities. Um, 
I am here to tell you Friday we were notified that we received the award. All right. Yay. So the award was for the full 3.3 million. It will be to expand Valley Springs Clinic another 1,600 feet. It'll provide 10 new uh, behavioral health providers. Um, we think we may be able to start construction by the end of the year. There's some hurdles like county permitting. Um, um, but uh, we think we may be able to do it by the end of the year, if not certainly uh, early next year. And we believe we'll be able to open uh, late next year, maybe toward the end of summer, early fall. Fantastic. Um, so uh, what I'm here to do, really, is to thank you for your letter of support and your support for everything we do all along. I have a little thank you letter I'd like to provide. And then uh, I will keep you informed as we go along. Thank you, Doctor. Congratulations. Good morning, folks. Good morning, Bonnie. Bonnie from Double Springs, and I have a complaint, but I'm not going to voice it today. Today I'm going to talk about the importance of Double Springs to Calaveras County. Some of you know, most of you don't, that Calaveras County was our first county seat of government. 175 years ago, Calaveras County was really wild. I mean, we're known as the county of the river of the Valley of Skulls, a death county. The Indians fought with each other for centuries over the hunting rights and gathering rights, mainly in the valley, down by Valley Springs. Double Springs was once known as the Springs. It's the foothill of, it, it's at the base of the foothills where the water springs forth clear, full of minerals, lots of calcium, lots of iron, but it's clear, crystal clear water and sweet. So it was treasured by many. When the Europeans came to America, the springs is one of the places they displaced the Indians, and they set up establishments and uh, settlements. And when the white man or the Europeans first started traveling by wagon, they realized when you got to the base of the foothills, you can't drive your team up the hills without hurting the, the, uh, the animals. So at the base of the foothills, what you have to do is double your team. So you need to double your team at the springs, and it became known as double springs, because there's many springs. You dig down six feet, you hit water on double springs. When, um, when the Indians were displaced, they felt that um, they needed to move away, and Double Springs became a hub of 
European activity for a very short period of time, understanding how wild the country was and how untamed some very forward-thinking people that lived in Double Springs sought to become a county. And they contacted San Francisco at that time and Calaveras County encompassed Amador, Alpine, Tuolumne, Calaveras, and my time is up. I'll come back hopefully again. Thank you, Bonnie. Any other public comment on items not on the agenda? Good morning, all. Good to see you all again. Kathy, Common Ground Senior Services. Morning, um, I'm giving a little uh, plug to our second annual Summer Lovin' event that's going to be held at Greenhorn Creek on July 22nd from 5 to 8 p.m. Tickets are $50 a piece. We will have dinner, silent auction, raffles, bocce ball tournament. So if you've never played, you might want to learn. Really good. Um, so please, if you can make it, you can buy tickets online. Or spread the word. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy. Any other public comments? Items not on our agenda. Morning. My name is Dave Peters. I live down in Burson. And I was waiting to stick around for the Section 31 or whatever, but I got a text I have an emergency to go to. But <clears throat> I wanted to thank you for being in Burson. I personally witnessed many accidents at Burson at 12. And I wanted to check that article we got that said July 9th, you're going to put in stop signs. Huge, huge. There's many, many, many of my neighbors were wondering, was it? just because Gary's really our cool supervisor, yeah. <laughs> whether there were threats. <laughs> but uh, I wanted to thank thank We you. were going to move the church, but we decided it wouldn't. That was one of the big things was that a long, long time ago, the church caught fire and the county let them rebuild it. Yeah. It's Caliban. A long we, time ago. Yeah, yeah it's Caliban where we do that. <laughs> but uh, almost all my neighbors are extremely happy that that's going to happen and it was like okay it is going to happen on the ninth right that's the question um i i i, I see our public works director nodding again caltrans i okay, okay so it's it's caltrans, it's caltrans yeah. yeah yeah so somebody finally got to him well thank you very much anyway thank you yeah. Any other public comments? Seeing none in the room, are there any online? There are no online public comments. Okay, we will move on to the next item, which is the consent agenda. Sure. Consent agenda items are expected Sorry. to be routine and non-controversial. They will be acted upon by the board at one time without discussion. I apologize, Chair Tafanelli. I'm sorry for interrupting, um, but I think we need to do recognition and acknowledgments. There's one proclamation. Oh, I'm sorry. You're correct. <laughs> I skipped over that. You're exactly correct. My apologies. We will move on to recognition and acknowledgments. This is a proclamation from Environmental 
Management Agency and Dr. Proclamation <laughs> recognizing Animal Services Department volunteers for their ongoing commitment to our animal shelters animals. And I apologize, I skipped over that. It wasn't intentional. Uh, certainly love to honor all the people that do this. Um, you see them out there every morning walking the dogs. So um, I will now pass it on to um, Mr. Hubbardy. Thank you, Chair. Uh, before I actually read the proclamation, I'd just like to say uh, that animal service isn't just fluffy bunnies and kitties. It's hard work, it's grueling work, and the animal shelter couldn't do it without the volunteers. And with that, I'll read the proclamation recognizing animal services department volunteers. Whereas volunteers assist shelter operations with various duties, including walking dogs and socializing dogs and cats available for adoption and providing them with mental stimulation, creating a healthier, happier, and more adoptable companion animal. And whereas volunteers work with dogs and cats to establish good manners so that they will be more adoptable. And whereas volunteers provide support and care for dogs, cats, and other domestic and farm animals, including guinea pigs, chickens, pigs, goats, rabbits, horses, sheep, and the occasional llama or two. And whereas volunteers promote adoptable animals by taking adorable photos and featuring them on Facebook and other media outlets. And whereas volunteers participate in special events on-site and off-site which help promote the adoption of shelter animals through education and building positive relationships with our community members. And whereas volunteers provide support to animal services staff and assist the department beyond measure in maintaining daily operations. And with that, I'd like to open it up to any public comment. Hello, back again. I just want to take this opportunity to thank you for hearing our proclamation. Um, our volunteers, our staff are wholeheartedly grateful um, for this opportunity, and it's been a long time coming. These are just a few of people in the back, and we have Megan from Focus. We have Dolores, who's been um, our lead dog volunteer for 18 years. Awesome and some of our other staff as well. So, so they just keep on coming up. So this is just wonderful. I wanted to include them um, in this because they are the ones that make us successful. They are the ones that support us and we cannot do it without them. And this is a, a whole hard effort by everybody to keep on supporting our animals and we thank you for your support as well. So we would just like to take that opportunity to, to recognize them and to thank them for the countless hours of volunteer, some of the sweat and tears, and a little scratch or a bite or two, um, but we get through it. So um, their contributions are invaluable. So we're just here to thank them, and um, our staff is also here as well. So thank you. Any comment online? And with that, I'll bring it back to the board. Any board comments? Could we have a vote? I'll move. All second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Sorry about that. <laughs> And with that, therefore, be it proclaimed that the Calaveras County Board of Supervisors recognize Animal Services Department volunteers and commends their invaluable volunteer time and commitment to shelter animals and staff. 
This is passed and adopted by the Board of Supervisors of the County of Calaveras, State of California, this 27th day of June, 2023. <laughs> Okay, my apologies for that. I don't know how I skipped over that. Now we'll move on to consent agenda. Consent agenda items are expected to be routine and non-controversial. They will be acted upon by the board at one time without discussion. Any board member, staff member, or interested party may request removal of an item for the consent agenda for later discussion. Is there any board member wish to remove an item from the consents? Chair Toffinelli, I don't wish to remove it, but I wish to recuse myself. I am employed by the CVB and was employed by the Chamber, and to avoid any appearance of bias or conflict of interest, I will be recusing myself from the vote on item 13 and 14. Okay. Any other board member? I would like to remove myself item number 15. For further discussion, is there any staff member wish to remove an item from consent? Jennifer, do you want to come up to the microphone? Good morning, Jennifer Cashy, Director of Integrated Waste. Uh, item number 26. 26. Yes. Is there any member of the public wish to? Remove an item. Any staff or public member online? There are no online public requests or staff requests. Okay. Um, because of the fact that um, removal of 15 is, and we change anything on it, it would affect the rest of the items. Um, it could possibly 
um, affect them that I will do 15 first and then come back to the rest of the consent agenda. Well, actually I'll do 26 too and then we'll come back. So um, I pulled item 15 because this item is um, $287,000 of TOT money going into um, what it says is Parks and Recreation Departments. Um, and I'm not in favor of spending at least the 212000 that was put in there. Um, I don't think it's the right time to do it. I, as I said at that time, uh, maybe at mid-year when we see where we are at, at TOT taxes, um, there's a possibility the state may be doing something that could drastically affect us and that income. And if we take that money and we give it and use it, then uh, we'll have to go into contingency to make up that difference. Um, however, um, I would like to at least say that it, maybe the board can consider, if not using that money for this item and just go forward with um, the, the, the rest of it, which was um, a, a plan we were gonna have somebody do a, a master plan for us to show us what we need to do in order to put this department together and what the scope of it would be. Take that $212,000 and possibly use it on the item that we have, number 33, to offset some of the costs to senior citizens uh, that are on fixed income um, in order to offset some of the costs that they're gonna be facing coming into coming year on their property taxes. Um, I think that money would be better spent for that. It would be for all of our constituents. The money being spent right now, there's only parks in two districts. Um, and that master plan may show that we we need to get parks in going in other districts. And that means we would have to have money for buy land, equipment, maintenance, and everything else. I think that's a big thing that needs to be looked at different other than right now after we see the master plan. But I think immediately we could, because most of what I'm hearing and I've been around, uh, at least in my district and hearing from other district people, is um, senior citizens, this increase for the solid waste fee um, on fixed income and them struggling to maintain their property, keep their property, it's gonna be a big hit to them. Although $127 increase, it doesn't sound like a lot, but to them it is. And I think if we could use some of that money or part of that money to offset um, the cost, at least for the first year going in and give them a chance. So that's what I would like to see. Of course, that discussion would have to be on when we get to, to item number 33. I did check with county council and she's gonna weigh in a little bit on what I'm proposing. Um, um, Supervisor Toffinelli, I don't, I don't think it actually would affect item 33. I think it would sort of be a separate, what you're proposing might be a separate sort of, um, I don't know what we would call it as some sort of subsidy or rebate for a certain population. And that's certainly something that we can explore. Um, I would ask that if a majority of the board is inclined to explore that, that, um, that uh, the CEO's office and my office um, have an opportunity to explore you know how 
if we could set that up and what it would look like and, and make a, re a subsequent recommendation to the board. And, and I and I understand that, and we had that conversation yesterday, probably between now and when we do final budget, but I'm saying I don't want to commit this $212,000 to this item right now and possibly use it. Right, no, not, I understand. Not going into item 33, but I just brought up 33 because that's where I want to use it for at some time to offset the cost to our senior citizens that are on fixed income. So that's my that's what I would like to see done. So I, I will not be voting for this um, at this time. I don't think it's the right time. Possibly bring it back at mid-year when we see where we're at, if we can commit those funds. But but again, um, this this is adding to a deficit that we've been working towards trying to reduce. And and if you take the three hundred thousand dollars that could be coming to us that we're going to be acting upon for the trees. Um, there's already over $500,000. We're going to be 3 million when we're trying to reduce that deficit. So is there any other board comments or staff comments, board comments? I support the master plan. I don't have any issue with supporting that because I think it'll drive what we need to spend the money on and what that's going to look like and more direction. And I would feel more confident about supporting. Um, I know this is something we've been talking about for years. I just want to see more of what that process is going to look like before throwing money at it. Um, and then my other concern is what are some of the other contingencies that are going to be coming before us before final budget? And Gary just mentioned the um, tree from OES and that was unaccounted matching funds for up to $300,000. So adding those, I mean, I, I just get, I'm getting concerned about it. When we're, we've been working so hard to hit the deficit and bring it down, I don't want to be bringing it back up without a better plan. Any other board comments? Supervisor? Um, that that separate 212,000 isn't uh, fully located. It's, it's uh, pretty much being held in, in a spot. So it isn't all being spent now. You know, the 80,000 for the master plan, there was a discussion about the position, but that $212,000 is not specifically just for that position. The thought process was for that to be a holder for possible future thoughts on that. So it isn't necessarily being spent at this time. Number one, we've taken these steps to uh, reduce the uh, structural deficit that, you know, was boosted up in 2017 and 18 exponentially when we, uh, you know, uh, stopped taking $11 million in taxes in, in a certain industry. And then the Board of Supervisors at that time decided to put, put in recurring expenses that totaled that amount, which, you know, Finally, to this day, we're starting to work it, work it back. And that's part of what I ran on in 2019 was to work on getting the structural deficit down. It's down to about two point some, some odd million, almost $3 million now, with, uh, as opposed to the $9 million. And this parts and recs plan is not just a shot in the dark. It's something that's successful and Every county that follows through with it and actually makes something happen, it's a, it's an economic um, booster. It provides 
uh, trails for elderly people. It provides dog parks for people that want to walk their dogs in communities and it actually raises the value on people's homes. So they, they have more value on what they have in the communities that we put parks in. We've talked about it for years and this, I thoroughly support this for the sheer fact that the, <clears throat> that, you know, it's not just being talked about anymore. I'm willing to follow through on something that's going to help the community out as a whole. Any other board comments? Um, I'll open it up to public comment. Is there any public comment? Good morning. My name is Vicki Sneed Hinkle. I live in West Point. I've lived there since 1963, for the most part. I'm 72, I'll be 73 next week. Congratulations. We have been looking at options for parks since I moved to West Point when I was 13. Put off another six months. There's no option. We need a place to um, gather in West Point. We need a little green space. We need a place for our children to play without concern about traffic. And we need to improve the property values in West Point. This small park that we are looking for funds to um, create is very timely. We already have a spot plan. We already have plans and people in place that are interested in putting it together and funding it. We simply need cooperation from the county to be able to proceed. And with these funds that are being proposed, we would be able to put that in place. The county, the um, medical facility managed to garner over $3 million. We're only asking for 930000 just pennies. Um, and we certainly have community support to bring it together. We already have contributions lined up. Um, one of them being my own, because um, as a licensed real estate broker, I um, have um, given my, my um, commission, oh, I forgot that word, <laughs> my commission uh, instead of um, taking it to put the offer together that we already have approved on the property. So steps have been taken and all we need is uh, help with the planning, the permitting, and moving forward with it. Thank you very much. Any other public comments? Seeing none in the room, is there any online? Madam Clerk? There are no online public comments. Okay, bring it back to the board. Um, I'm open for a motion on item number 15. I'll move forward with uh, keeping it the way we have the money located at this time. Second. Second. Call for a vote. All in favor? Aye. Opposed? No. No. All right. We'll move on to item number 26. Jennifer, you pulled this item. Good morning, Chair Toffinelli, honorable members of the board, Jennifer Cashy, Director of Integrated Waste Management. I pulled this item um, because 
yesterday afternoon, um, I received uh, an email with some uh, some slight, very minor changes to this agreement from uh, Caltrans, and I do have this agreement available for review. Um, it does not, like I said, they are very minor. It does not uh, change the values or um, the uh, the event times or the um, agreement per se. It just removes uh, some of the wording, which was um, in number one, referred to as free recycling events by Calaveras County. They would like that removed and just referred to as uh, free dump day. Um, they also removed the, um, the appendix or the attachment, uh, because we've already identified all the um, the dates and times of our recycling events that we'll be proposing, and um, some minor changes to the, the wording again, removing the free recycling event wording out of the agreement. So like I said, I have copies if I could provide um, for your review and, um, and notate those very minor changes to the wording. I'm open to any questions you may have about those changes. Um, while everybody's reading it, I just want to point out the public and people that are here and people online watching uh, that we will be doing this free dump day again uh, this coming next month, July. On July 8th, we will be at uh, West Point Elementary School. July 15th, we'll be at Hazel Fisher School. July 29th, we'll be here at Calaveras Government Center. August 12th, we'll be at Jenny Lynn Veterans Memorial Park. August 19th, we'll be at Calaveras County Fairgrounds, and September 9th, uh, Copperopolis Community Center. And I don't know if everybody um, was aware of what you did last year. It was tremendously successful. You can, and I'll let Jennifer explain to it, but you, you're absolutely free. You can pull stuff up, tires, mattresses, appliances, whatever you have um, that you can take absolutely free to those stations at those days, and they will Take them for no cost and no cost to the county. All of it will be reimbursed by Caltrans. That is correct, Supervisor Toffinelli. It was wildly successful last year. Um, we have included um, uh, disposal and accepting of uh, e-waste at these new events. Um, the reason why we are proposing that as an additional item that we'll be taking is um, oftentimes there's confusion between an appliance and an e-waste. So for instance, a microwave is actually e-waste. It has to process differently. And we wanted to ensure that we had a, um, a source to uh, uh, eliminate that waste and accept those, those items. So. Um, uh, thank you for mentioning all those dates that will be coming up. We will be doing a um, 
a uh, flyers all over there already at the transfer stations, social media, um, and please don't hesitate to contact our office if we if you have any questions about this. Um, and as uh, Supervisor Toffinelli mentioned, this is at no cost to the county. This agreement um, is with Caltrans. Uh, we utilize at, well, we, this agreement would uh, reimburse the county 100% for the cost incurred for all of these uh, these days that we would present. Is there any board comments? Supervisor Topper? Uh, just wait for public comment. Okay. <clears throat> then I'll ask. All right, is there any public comment on this item? This would not be including hazardous waste. Um, we offer seven day a week hazardous, uh, household hazardous waste disposal at no charge. And uh, in addition, uh, we have uh, household hazardous waste disposal at uh, three other centers, Wilsonville, San Andreas, and Red Hill at no charge as well. Any other public comments? Is there any online? There are no online public comments. All right, I'll bring it back to the board. I'll, I'll move this item as amended. A second. Second. Um, motion and a second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Passes 4 0. Thank, Thank you, you Ms. Kessie. Thank you. Now we will move on back to the regular remainder of the remainder of the consent agenda. Um, is there any public? Are we separating two of them? Separating two, and we just did the two that we were going to separate. Now we have the remainder of the consent. Is there any supervisor? I was going to give it to Sarah. What's that? Oh, uh, no, I think it's uh, Supervisor Hubbard. He already said he would be recusing himself from voting on the two. So when we report out the vote, it will just be, he'll be excluded from those two. He recorded two. that, that mm -hmm. he's going to recuse himself from that. So is there any other public comment on the remainder of the consent? Seeing none in the room, is there any online? There is none online. Okay, so I am open for a motion. So moved. Second. A motion and a second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Passes 5-0. Uh, we were going to take a five-minute break before we go into oh, break. Sorry, I was going to say, just to clarify, it passes 5-0 with the exception of items 13, 13. and 14, which are 4-0 with one abstaining. Thank you for clarifying that, Council. We've had that clarified at least three times now, so we're good. I don't know legally if we need a fourth, but uh, uh, minus 13 and 14 from Supervisor Hubbard. All right, we're going to take a five-minute break before we continue with regular agenda. back we're going to move on to the regular agenda and as i stated earlier um, we are going to do item on your agenda 
We are going to do item number 32 first. This is an action item from Community Development Block Grant. It's to conduct a public hearing to receive public input regarding the Community Development Block Grants program and possible activities, projects to be considered for funding under the 2023 Notice of Funding Availability, or the NOFA, for application and possible program income funding for one or more applications. And before we start, I will open the public hearing. Corey. Thank you. Good morning, Chair, members of the board. Corey Allen, Health and Human Services Agency Director. I'm here today to um, support the process of a public hearing to receive public input regarding the Community Development Block Grant Program and possible activities and projects that can be considered for funding under this 2023 Notice of Funding Availability. Today, we will uh, introduce Beth Dodd with Adams Ashby Group, who will be participating and uh, leading this public hearing. Good morning, Chair and Board Members. Um, the purpose of this hearing is to introduce the CDBG team, review the Community Development and Block Grant public process, review of the 2023 application process and requirements. We need to open the public hearing and receive public comments and then review the next steps. Um, I'm Beth Dodd with Adams Ashby Group. I work with Lori Adams. Um, we work with the Department of Social Services with Corey Allen and Chris Redman. And our, the administrative office, we work with Teresa Hitchcock and Marcos Munoz. So the purpose of this hearing is to ensure that the units of general local government receiving community development block grant funds meet the requirements for citizen participation. We need to inform the residents about the anticipated community development block grant so that we can receive um, projects and programs that the community is interested in. We also need to have um, the opportunities related to grant and program income funds and the range of activities that can be undertaken, ensuring that national objective requirements to benefit low and moderate income persons are met and if the proposed activities are likely to result in any displacement. We need to allow residents to provide comment and propose possible projects and programs to use the funding and then discuss the application and the limitations that there are in the funding because things have changed this year. And then we will direct the staff. It's um, important to note that no decisions will be made today. We need to collect all the information and then staff will present a the ones that are ready because there are requirements for that. So under the 2023, it's the notice of funding availability that's projected to come out at the end of July. Um, they've changed the funding limits, there's a total of $3.25 million available, but of that, there's only, only two applications per jurisdiction are available. So it's two competitive or one competitive and one over-the-counter. And over-the-counter includes um, public facilities and infrastructure, housing programs, and economic development programs. For the competitive applications, there's public service and planning grants up to $250,000 each. Under public facilities, it's up to the full $3.25 million. 
Under housing programs, it's $1.5 million. And under economic development programs, it's $1.5 million. So they just tried to make it more complicated this year. Um, the, CD, the Community Development and Block Grant application timeline, they're saying it will come out July 31st. We have bets running of when it actually will come out, so we'll take pool later. Um, it will be published for 30 days to let people read through the application and prepare. After those 30 days are over, they're going to take the, um, the competitive and the over-the-counters from 2019 that they're funding, which doesn't apply to, to Calaveras, but then they will do the, the OTCs, which are the over-the-counter public infrastructure, and then um, it'll, that will go until the money is gone. Um, so now we need to first ask you guys if you have questions, and then we need to open it for the public. Any board questions at this time? No, so we will open up the public comments. This is a public hearing, so this is your time to state what you'd like to see these funds used for. Good morning. My name is Tina Mather, and I am the director of the Resource Connection Food Bank. I am a current CDBG uh, block grant recipient, and in the 26 months that our current contract has been in place, 5,900 individuals have benefited from this program. Of the 5,900 individuals served, 4,026 were extremely low income, 1,432 were very low income, 442 were low income. We have assisted 985 seniors aged 65 and over, 254 homeless households, 1,396 households with one or more disabled persons living in the home, and 211 households that have a veteran living in the home. The past few years have been difficult ones for everyone, right? And while the world has returned to some form of normalcy for so many in our community, the new normal means they now need to come to the food bank to help feed their families. With recent deep cuts, excuse me, deep cuts to CalFresh benefits that hit in April, we've seen a 32% increase in families coming in for food. And while we haven't closed the books yet on June, the preliminary numbers show an even larger increase from the months before. Costs for food and fuel have skyrocketed for, for food banks, just like they have for families, and we are scrambling to provide for everyone that comes to us for assistance. We rely on grant funding and donations from our community to help feed hungry families. Funding is more competitive now, apparently even more so, um, than ever before, and because of the rising costs of everything, for everyone, we are experiencing a decline in donations, which makes grant funding even more vital than ever before. 
I provided you with some statistics for those that have benefited from our current CDBG funding, but I would like to share some additional information with you. The numbers that I gave you earlier were for unduplicated visits during a fiscal year. The reality is that most of those that seek help from our programs to feed their families often come several times during the year. Many of them are coming every month. In 2022, the food bank distributed 1,096,988 pounds of food to hungry Calaveras County families. We served an average of 3,718 people a month. We don't see the need for food assistance going away anytime soon. Our community needs our help, and we would appreciate your support. Thank you. Any questions? Thank you. Good morning, supervisors. It's good to be here. Elizabeth Thompson, Executive Director of Common Ground Senior Services. So in the last CDBG cycle, we were a recipient as well for our transportation sewer street program, which uh, takes our seniors door through door services to and from medical appointments only. At one point in time, we were trying to do shopping and uh, pharmacy stuff, but we had to kind of uh, take that away just because the medical appointments were so great that we couldn't fit their shopping parts into it. So, but it's been uh, blessing to have those CDBG funds for the transportation program. Um, we probably provided over 2,000 trips. Most of them are out of county and all to uh, Sonora, but we do go to Lodi and Sacramento. We go to the VA hospitals, not to Palo Alto, but we do go to Mather. And so it's been a, 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 the cost, as you can see, with the fuel and everything else and the time for um, drivers and staff is, is great. So we are very, very appreciative of that. This year, for this uh, coming upcoming CDBG funding, Common Ground, as you know, and maybe not, um, we've been in existence for about 24 years now. Uh, actually, 23 years, 2003. Our program started over in Amateur uh, County, and we... Uh, took on the Meals and Wheels and other senior programs, yeah, transportation and other programs there. So in the last 19 years, we've been over in Amador County. We've never had a home here in Calaveras County. However, in 2004, we did provi start providing Meals and Wheels, transportation, we had Troy Homemaker Information Assistance Program here in this county, but it's all operated in Calaveras County. The changes for this year for us is that in uh, 2001, this last two fiscal years, this fiscal year and last fiscal year, the Amateur Senior Center uh, was awarded the Meals on Wheels program for Amateur and the Congregate Meal programs for Amateur as well. Uh, in doing that, and five years ago, um, they did not really, um, New Orleans, so we moved to a, a separate location in Amador County. Uh, our landlord is the Rancheria, which have been so gracious and very helpful in, in uh, supporting the programs that we did have. Um, the cost to um, for fuel and, and transports and everything else for Mills and Wills 
coming from Soda Creek to deliver all over to Calaveras County and to West Point and Copperopolis and all the way up to Dorrington and as far down as Burson and even probably further uh, is, is great. This year with the CBG grant, I'm really, I'm looking to um, see if we can bring- uh, your time, your, Elizabeth, your time is up. Oh, I'm so sorry. I wasn't paying attention to that. I didn't know public hearings had timers. Sorry. <laughs> Good morning, Chair Toffinelli, Honorable Board. Great to see you guys. Uh, I'm here today actually as Board Chair of Common Ground Senior Services uh, Board of Directors. I've been with the organization six years now, and I found that you step out to the bathroom just for like two minutes, they make you Board Chair. So um, anyway, um, we very much appreciate the opportunity to speak with you guys about this, um, you know, building on what Elizabeth has said. Uh, I. Three minutes is not enough time to extol the virtues of this organization. Um, what Common Ground Senior Services does for our senior population is just, it's monumental. Um, the opportunity that we have to bring this home to Calaveras County, it's huge. Um, we've got so many dedicated staff and volunteers. Um, some folks that live in Copperopolis drive all the way to Sutter Creek to pick up a specialized vehicle just to come back to our county to deliver meals as far up as Dorrington and West Point. Um, it's really awesome what I've seen you know, our staff and volunteers do. So I would really like the consideration of the board on this. Um, I think this is a no brainer. This is no cost to the county, it's my understanding. These are all federal and state dollars that we've already paid into as taxpayers. Um, seems like a very good opportunity to um, further added the resiliency of our rural community. So thank you guys very much. And on July 22nd, if you guys are free, as Kathy said, we're out having a fundraiser at um, Greenhorn Creek. And I think they've floated the idea of putting me in a dunk tank. So that might interest a couple of you guys. And I've got tickets for sale if you guys really like that. Mark. Yeah, it's only 50 bucks, it's a deal. Thank you guys very much. Thank you, Mark. Sorry, I'll get out of the way here. Good morning, fellow chairmen and uh, superintendents. My name is Greg Smith. I'm the uh, current Habitat for Humanity of Calaveras board president. And uh, like you, if you do step out of the room, yes, you are elected as board president. So. <laughs> appreciate that. I just want to let you know that I'm very excited about this grant, this opportunity. As some of you may know and some of you may not know, we're on the cusp of breaking ground for 107 affordable workforce housing in Angeles Camp, right above Tractor Supply. We are waiting for our infrastructure grant to come in, but I'm very interested in your grant because we will need down payment assistance for many of the home buyers who are going to qualify for these homes. One of the misconceptions of Habitat is that we are not Section 8 housing, we are affordable workforce housing. That's a real important distinction. As you all know, we have a terrible, terrible situation here in this county for housing of any sort. We have many people working at Greenhorn where I live, coming from miles and miles just to get to work for a better minimum wage job. So our project is one of the most important projects I think this county will see in a very long time. 
many of the home buyers that we have on our, we already have 140 names on the wait list for these affordable homes. So many of them may need down payment assistance, which we hope to use this loan for or grant for. We've used HBD grants before. We'd like the opportunity to do it again. So thank you for the time. Good morning again. Good morning. Um, at the uh, clinic we have in Valley Springs, um, we were selected to be one of the one of fifteen organizations in the state to uh, pilot a program called Integrated Behavioral Health. And what Integrated Behavioral Health is is. It used to be that mental health, behavioral health was way over on this side of town and conventional medicine was on the other side of town. They didn't talk. Um, and that's still going on today quite a bit. We think that's a flawed idea. And so we were selected to try to integrate those two services. And we've been at that for about a year and a half uh, down in the clinic. It's had a I think as a pilot program, it's had a lot of success. We do a lot of screenings. Uh, we've helped a lot of people. To date, uh, we've registered over 7,000 patients. Uh, and uh, probably 65% of those patients are Medi-Cal low-income patients. They have no other place to go. Uh, there isn't another source of care for them. While we've been involved with these 15 other organizations, we've had an opportunity to look at best practices in California. And one of the best practices in California is the idea of a behavioral health navigator uh, and a behavioral health consultant to help meet that demand and to help these patients. The role of the navigator is to get the right patient in the right appointment at the right time with the right information. Sounds easy, not easy, big job. Uh, the role of the consultant is to engage early. So, so today, if you have a behavioral health problem, you could wait a month, even if you're identified. With a behavioral health consultant, that can be a warm handoff, immediate intervention. We intend to um, apply for the community block grant funding to support the positions of a behavioral health navigator and a behavioral health consultant to take the next steps with integrated behavioral health. A lot of the programs you've heard about this morning, food insecurity, housing insecurity, there's a really strong link with those problems and behavioral health. And we really believe behavioral health is where it starts. So you'll be seeing our application, we're excited about it and excited about moving forward with our pilot program. Thank you. Thank you, doctor.
Hello, my name is Kayla Gaffney and I am with the County Office of Education. Um, in our Student Support Services Department, we have a lot of programs from foster youth services, homeless education, um, FNL programs, Care Team Navigator, a lot of different services. Um, but for this funding, I think personally it would be a great opportunity for maybe a community youth center I know there's a lot of programs from CASA to our mentoring programs um, to resource connection that could utilize something um, like that with these funds. So I appreciate the opportunity and thank you. I'm Jerry Kadat from Sierra Hope. Uh, we're a nonprofit in Angels Camp. Some of you may know we've been involved in um, some of the issues that you've heard about earlier, uh, we provide services for people who are homeless or seeking housing assistance. We work closely with the Resource Connection Food Bank, operating a local food pantry out of our office in Angels Camp. Um, and uh, I'm not bringing you a project proposal today. I don't have a project to put forward at this time um, and probably won't this round. Uh, I encourage uh, all of you to support many of the programs that you've heard about today. One of the things that I get on my soapbox about sometimes is our nonprofit culture, which I've found so many, uh, so many times we shoot ourselves in the foot by not adequately funding the staff to provide the services, not ad adequately funding the infrastructure needed to provide those services. And I would hope that the Board of Supervisors would look at the needs of any of these organizations that are coming forward and look at the real needs and not just look at a one-time project um, that isn't sustainable or overlook some of the really basic needs. For instance, um, we operate a transitional shelter for homeless families. Our fire insurance tripled this year uh, for that uh, complex, just as we're seeing for a lot of residents uh, are having difficulty getting fire insurance. Staff costs have risen. All our staff are dealing with inflation. One of our staff members recently almost became homeless because her landlord decided that he wanted to turn their place into a vacation rental. Um, fortunately, she was able to find a place in another county. So um, considering the many problems that our county faces, food insecurity, mental health, transportation, homelessness, um, take a good look and um, do, do what we can. Let's, let's address those problems here. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Maureen Shannon. I live in Copperopolis. Um, I wear a couple hats. I am the president of the Lake Tulloch Lions Club. I am on the Calaveras Mentoring Foundation as well as the Copperopolis Food Pantry. And I'm just here in support of um, this grant to be used for parks in Copperopolis. There is no public park. And if you look at where maybe the low-income people live, there's no facility for those children to use. 
Um, and then the food pantry, we did have a 25% increase in the number of people getting food. And as Tina mentioned, they're elderly, they're disabled, and many of them are large families with five people living in the family. Um, I'm also with the Calaveras Mentoring Foundation. That program has been going on in the county for 20 years. It is fully funded primarily by the Calaveras Mentoring Foundation, even though it's run by the Board of Education. Um, our pledge this year is $111,000. We had a fundraising event at Dalton Ranch. It was extremely successful. We raised $26,000, but we can't have four fundraising events per year to raise the money. So we need the grant. And I just want to thank you for allowing me the time to speak, and I want to thank Greg for being one of our mentors, and he's also on the board with me. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Donna Vile here from Glencoe. I'm here to support the idea that Vicki Sneed put forth about a community park up in West Point. You know, we have a, you know, we're talking about parks and what it does to the community, what it does to the sociability of the people there. We talk about what it does to property values, and we all know that's all a good thing. We, we have uh, identified uh, the piece of property right downtown in West Point. It's a vacant lot right now. We have an offer on that that um, will expire in a couple of months. The good thing about this is that it's right next to the uh, the uh, youth center, they are going to share with us some of the responsibilities of the park, some of the maintenance and some of the insurance of their next door neighbor, which is the park. So I want to encourage you to uh, keep an open mind about putting rural communities and behavioral health and community health at the top of our list. Okay, thank you. Any other public comments? No other public comments in the room. Are there any public comments on this item online? There are no online public comments. Okay. I will ask Corey to come back up. All right, thank you. Can I, before we jump on, to make sure that everyone is signed in to the uh, CDBG Outreach Public Hearing? Hold on. Second one. Nope, and, that one's a second. Thank you. While she's doing that, I'm sorry. Um, remember, if you're going to put in an application, it's July, you have to have it, July, it opens July 31st supposedly, as we're seeing told, and you have 30 days to submit your application. It, they probably won't be accepted after that. So there's a timeline there that the state's going to hold us to. And right now, we know, according to them, it's July 31st to August 31st. And if that changes, I, I hope that you come to us at our next board meeting, if you know, or whenever we get close to that, and let us know that that date has slipped out so everybody's aware of it. 
Thank you. So we appreciate the um, robust outreach that's been done. I want to thank Grace Cadenas and my office for making sure that we notified as many people. And you can tell by the turnout today that, that our inreach was really uh, strong. I also want to uh, give an acknowledgement to Chris Redman out of the Health and Human Services Agency Fiscal Department, who uh, has handled uh, so much of the behind the scenes on this as well. So with that, uh, we appreciate uh, the public hearing. And I turn it back to you. Okay. I, at this time, I will close the public hearing and bring it back to the board for any board comments. <clears throat> Supervisor Stopper. Um, you know, I appreciate everyone uh, showing up. There is a lot of need throughout Calabas County. Um, just somebody's phone. Can you please turn your phone off, everybody, if you're in here? Thank you. <clears throat> um, here, here it says uh, maximum of two activities, but only one per category. So, and we have multiple categories here. Um, we have uh, a lot of needs that were spoken about today. Are we able to fit some of these needs into uh, one, like have them work together as two different entities, possibly in certain situations, such as no. No, so, so we are limited on how many. Correct. This will be limited here. I apologize, Supervisor. That answers my question. I had a question. Uh, clarification um, on the public facility infrastructure. So that means sanitary, sanitary. So infrastructure could be applied for them to max, uh, expand capacity and then in hope to help housing development. Is that how that would? I'm going to defer to the consultant who's been really uh, studying and researching this, Ms. Dodds. I just want to make sure that we're, yes. when we're saying public facilities, we're also naming those public jurisdictions, sanitary, you know, water districts as well. Right, that would like help housing later. Yeah, yes. you can do um, sewer systems, um, and then you can also still do planning and the public facilities. So those can be up to the 3.25. Okay. And you can do the, the public facilities and a public service. Okay. So that's where um, you were asking if you could do more than one thing. You can, you can give some of the money to the public facilities, but you can't do two public facilities. Got it. Which is disappointing. Yeah. Okay. Because not only did they bring the amount down that they're funding for public facilities, they brought down the number of applications too. Mm. So it's frustrating. Okay. Thank you for that clarification. Supervisor Caramendi. What was the thank you? What was the what was the actual outreach that was done to whom, when, and we've got some agencies represented here, others are not. Mm -hmm. Board wasn't uh, wasn't emphasized that this is something we need to be bringing community ideas to. So can you unpack how we did this community outreach? Yes, so we did public notices on social media and in print. We also sent a direct email or telephone call to each um, community provider listed in our local resource guide. And so, um, and of course, with anyone that had already been a recipient of the CDBG funds. So those emails went out uh, June 14th, and then any follow-up was handled directly with our consultants, specifically with Lori Adams. 
I'd like to see the list if that's possible. Absolutely. Not now, but if you could send them to me, yes. I'd like to see because I think some are on and some are not on. So I'd like to review your lists. I'm happy to provide you that right now. I have that card, that list. It's okay. I'll get it after. Okay. Thank you so much. Any other board comments? Seeing none, uh, you'll be bringing this back to us once you get the applications in and your recommendations to us? Yes. Okay. And that will be sometime in August, hopefully, or the end of, excuse me, sometime in September. Yep. Completely dependent on the release of the notice. Okay. All right. Supervisor Stopper, your lights on. Oh, just if it says it's an action item, I think we need a motion to move forward with. I, you're right. It, it is labeled an action item. I think the action is to conduct the public hearing. I don't think there was. I don't think the board is taking action at this time. Yeah, the public gave direction or their comments for their request, and then it's up to them to put in their re, their requests during the time period. And then it will come back to us for an action item at that time. So I think that's the same way. Well, no, the next one's not. It's an actual item. So with that, thank you, Corey. Thank you. And you can stay there because we are going to move on to item number 31. And item 31 is an action item, community development block grant, conduct a public hearing to receive public input for the closeout of the community development block grant contracts 20 CDBG CV2 3 00268 and 20 CDBG 12008 and 20 CDBG 12077 funded programs and two, authorize the Director of Health and Human Services Agency to approve, sign, and submit the closeout put certifications and any other necessary documents. Boy, that was a lot to say. <laughs> Corey, you're up. Thank you. Uh, again, uh, Chair, members of the board, Corey Allen, Health and Human Services Agency. Uh, we hope to open a public hearing so that we can round out and close out well, the work that has been done in the prior community development block grant year. Uh, again, with us today is at Adams and Ashby Consultant, Beth Dodds, and uh, if Lori Adams returns from her other meeting, then she'll be joining us as well. And with that, I'd like to turn it over for uh, Ms. Dodds. Okay, and at that point, I will open the public hearing at this point. So we are now in public hearings. We're going to talk about the grants that have already been administrated through the county. Um, we have the 20 CDBG CV, which is the coronavirus funding. Um, that one was a business relief grant, but I'm going to let Kathy tell you about that in a minute. Um, the county was also awarded under the 20 CDBG 12008, $292,478 to do for the common ground silver streak that they were telling you about. Under this grant, they were able to assist 233 seniors in their transportation. The funds covered wages and new hires, training and fuel and insurance costs for the vehicle fleet. This program is complete and expended all of their funds. Um, we had the 20 CDBG um, economic development business assistance grant that actually um, 
did not provide any outcomes at all, and all of the funds will be returned to the state of California. There's a small clerical or um, administrative amount that we've been working with the state to figure out, but it's going to be disencumbered, so or it's going to be applied to the grant. So that will be less for thousand seven hundred dollars. So, do you have any questions? Any board questions? I do have a question since we're returning money to the state and we didn't utilize it, is that going to affect us going forward? Yeah. It's our even if we apply for economic development grant again from them, it will affect us? No, it will not affect us. Okay. That was my concern. Good morning, Chair Tofanelli, Honorable Board, Kathy Galino, your Economic and Community Development Director, and I do not like giving money back. Um, so there were two programs that I applied for uh, during the COVID relief process. This is the CV123 funds. Um, the first one um, I focused on was a small business grant program, which was very, very successful. Um, we did three rounds of application processes for our low moderate income businesses and or employees. If they had 51% or more of their employees were low or moderate income, then the business qualified. What I will tell you is that it was a very difficult process to get this information from the business community. So during the first round, which opened in March of 2022, there were th 13 approved grants out of 25 applications. Um, $440,000 was awarded to these 13 businesses, and they ranged from $15,000 to $50,000 based on their need and number of employees. The second round, which opened in September of 2022, there was five approved grants out of 10 applications for 125,000. At this point, CDBG required a little bit more documentation, a little bit more records. Um, it was very time intensive. And yes, I did this program on my own with no staff. Um, I wanted to get money out to our community and I thought I could do it relatively quickly. The third round of grants opened on March of 2023 this year, I had zero approved applications out of three. I reached out, I had a waiting list, I reached out to every business I could think of that had not already applied. I advertised and simply could not get any more responses. I had milked that program dry. With that being said, and having to return 159000 on that program, what I can tell you is that I was asked by HCD, uh, our Housing and Community Development Department in California, to actually present on my program because it was one of the most successful programs in California. I was shocked. And so that is the Small Business Grant Program. On the second program, which was to be a... Uh, small Business Revolving Loan Fund Program. That was for the $500,000. Um, again, I was thinking I can get capital into our businesses. Trying to get them to qualify is another matter. Even harder still was trying to find an entity that would help underwrite these loans. Um, I started um, back in 21 um, through 22 and into 23 trying to find anybody that would underwrite these loans. 
I looked at all our local lenders, Wells Fargo, Mechanics, Umqua, um, Savings and Loans, U.S. Bank, um, and then had no luck, so I moved on to which is who Mariposa County uses, and they have a very successful program, um, the Valley Small Business Development Corporation out of Fresno. They initially accepted um, to be partners with me, with us, and was really excited. I got the contract together and had it reviewed by county council and sent it over, and the next day they emailed me and said, you know, we're just not really, don't have the capacity. We really can't help Calaveras. But I didn't give up. So then we next reached out to San Joaquin Small Business Development Center, um, which is now housed in the Asian Chamber, um, and talked with Les Fong, hey, can we work something out, can we do loan underwriting, it's only 500,000, I'm thinking there might be a max of 10 or 15 grants or loans, and they ran it around and came back and said, sorry, Kathy, we, we just cannot handle the capacity and the liability on these loan underwriting projects. And if you look at the CDBG documents for doing loan underwriting and what it requires, it's really onerous. So um, that's why we turn the money. Um, I would like to look at future CDBG grant funding for economic development, but it's got to be user-friendly and it's got to be easy to get to our community. Any questions? Any questions? Thank you, Kathy. <laughs> All right, we are going to open it up to the public. Um, this is your chance as public, the public hearing for any of your comments. No public comments in the room? Do we have any online? There are no online public comments. Okay, well, I will close the public hearing and bring it back to the board. Corey, you have any other things you would like to say? You might have a question by Supervisor Stopper's lights on. Okay. Go ahead, Corey, and I'll, fo I'll follow you. Thank you so much. I just wanted to acknowledge the hard work done by those in our community that have been the recipients of the CDBG dollars. They have turned those dollars around and done fantastic things for our community. And with that, uh, I turn it over to the board. Mm. Here, here under uh, discussion, under your agenda submittal, Corey, uh, discussion summary. Per the requirements of the State of California Department of Housing and Community Development, Community Development Block Grant Program, the county is required to hold a public hearing to review the use of funds and program performance for the CDBG program contracts. And I'm not going to say all those numbers. HCD is also requires the county to solicit citizen input regarding the outcome and accomplishments of the funding received under these contracts. The, and the following actions are requested. Review background of project and accomplishments and receive staff reports. And then it goes through the bullet points of what we're going through this meeting here. And this is the same thing with the last item 32 that we just went over. Um, when, you, when you submitted these, we have a agenda submittal and, you know, that basic information on what these agenda items are about and your public notices to the people. None of that information the state requires us to report on during the meeting is part of this agenda um, in, 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 the, in the item uh, with, with staff reports and other things uh, about, what, about what's done. Um, you know, it's, it's just basic. So 
in the future, if I personally, as one, would appreciate some background information. So we're uh, coming into it at least more educated, educated on it as a supervisor. And that way the public also has the opportunity to read the background and see that information at the same time. This is just basic. There's no meat to it. Okay, thank you for that. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Any other board comments? Seeing none, um, then I'm open for a motion. The motion would have to be to close out certifications and other necessary documents for the CDBG grants. A move. I have a motion by Supervisor Ballendor. Do I have a second? Second. A second by Supervisor Stopper. All in favor? Aye. Opposed? Passes 5-0. Thank you, Corey. Thank you. All right. Um, we're going to take another five-minute break before we move on to item number 33, which I assume most of the people in here left are here for item 33. We are back in session, and we're going to move on to item number 33. Um, item 30, number 33 is a resolution for integrated waste management to conduct a public hearing to amend the county's solid waste parcel fee resolution to establish new land use categories. Count and consider timely submitted written protests and increase the solid waste parcel fee as described in the May 9, 2023 hearing. And two, adopt a resolution pursuant to government code 25830, establishing the annual solid waste parcel fee schedule for the 2023-2024 fiscal year. And three, authorize recording by the county recorder. Um, Jennifer? And before you start, um, I'm going to open the public hearing right now. Jennifer, you're up. Thank you. Chair Toffinelli, respective members of the board, Jennifer Cashy, Director of Integrated Waste Management. On April 25th, your board received a presentation from GB, uh, Chris Lund with GBB and Terry Boveri with Raftelis. In that presentation, we did a comprehensive review of our solid waste system and uh, received a, um, a presentation regarding a nexus fee study. During that nexus fee study, it identified the cost of service. And what that means is um, what what it costs the county to provide the level of service we see now in our solid waste system. Before I move on, I wanted to give a 
brief uh, parcel fee history for those members of the public that may not know. Um, in 1977, we established our parcel fee at $26. Over the course of some years, it increased. By 1985, we were at $42. 1988, we are at $75, 1989, $140, and in 1991, it was $150. I also want to note that this is not the first time that we've increased the parcel fee. Um, the parcel fee must adjust based upon the cost of service it, um, it, that we see as a county to provide, again, this level of service that we do. The parcel fee supports the entire solid waste system of Calabarese County. That includes the six transfer stations, seven-day-a-week landfill operations, all the uh, maintenance equipment costs, and future cell development. Through this Nexus fee study, um, like I said, we identified the cost of service. It was determined that the cost for the county to process our own solid waste at $70, $75 per ton. When we consider the alternatives to the $75 per ton, and when we receive the proposal to go to an alternative model, it would potentially cost the county $155 per ton to process it. This is also subject to a yearly CPI increase and adjustment. That cost would absorb our entire budget we see now, and we would have to eliminate the transfer stations. Why I'm bringing this up is to understand that that $75 invests in our future development of the landfill. It supports all the operations. It supports all of our transfer stations. That would provide um, we're thinking for the future and ensuring that we have this resource for many generations to come. Calaveras County uh, presents a geographic challenge uh, when it comes to providing service, especially for solid waste. 75% of our residents utilize one of our disposal facilities for their primary means of solid waste disposal. With that in mind, the county must take responsibility for our public health initiative. It is imperative that we, that that we provide solid waste service to all the residents at the most cost-effective way we can possible. So as we discuss um, what our options are moving forward and providing this level of service, we must identify what would be the least impactful. So this is the direction. As Director of Integrated Waste, I'm recommending the adoption of this resolution, which would be increasing the parcel fee beginning uh, fiscal year 23-24. This recommendation would ensure the county is planning for the future and has the ability to uh, maintain the current level of service and the critical service it would be providing to the lowest possible cost to the residents. With that, I'd like to uh, also mention that this count, the integrated waste would realize $8.3 million in revenue with this, uh, this uh, proposed resolution. Going back to the notice of public hearing, when uh, your board authorized integrated waste to notice uh, the fee payers and the resident parcel fee payers and property owners in the county, each uh, resident and parcel fee uh, owner um, received a notice of the Proposition 218, Proposition 218 parcel fee uh, increase, notice of parcel fee increase. With that, it provides the residents 45 days to uh, write in opposition. 
And um, at that time, we would consider any kind of um, written in valid oppositions to bring forward today at this public hearing. To have a valid opposition, it must include the property fee, or excuse me, the property owner's name, their address or APN associated to, to identify what they're opposing and what property it's, uh, it's attached to, and a signature that they are, and clearly identifying that they are opposing that fee increase. Um, can I just interrupt for one sure, second there? absolutely. And, and I want to make it clear, uh, until the public hearing is closed, we will still be accepting those opposition letters until today when we close this public hearing. So if you still have want to get one in, you can do so. You can go to the clerk's office, but after this hearing closes, that's the end. Thank you. I interrupted you. That's okay. No, it's okay. I think also you can turn the, the your opposition here um, currently rather than the clerk's office to ensure that we receive it and um, after our break we can validate it. Yeah, that, you're you're correct. I just wanted to avoid absolutely everybody rushing up here if they were going to while we were conducting the hearing. But you can turn it in here, but it has to be before we close the hearing. Absolutely. So for the majority, um, it, so as as noted uh, with the um, the the oppositions, um, in order for that to be successful, you would need the majority of the fee payers to um, to write in valid oppositions. That would require um, the county to receive thirteen thousand four hundred and fifty uh, letters of opposition for that to be a uh, a successful um, opposition. To, at the time of us starting this public hearing, we had received a total of 308 valid oppositions, um, which allows us to move forward with this public hearing. And um, I also would like to mention that during this process of, um, of our review and fee study, it was not considered lightly. It was a difficult process to go through. Um, personally, as Director of Integrated Waste, I wore many hats from the standpoint of, um, as a resident, how it's going to affect us, each and every one of us, as a, um, as maybe somebody on a fixed income, as my mother is on a fixed income, I can understand how it would also uh, affect them. I wanted to consider how it would affect integrated waste and also our elected officials. I think it was important that all those um, considerations are being um, recognized and I would also like to take an opportunity to thank our current leadership for um, having the courage to um, to embark on this journey as and recognize the importance of uh, providing this level of service to our residents um, because it's not an easy thing to do. And as I mentioned, it's been 32 years since it's been done, and um, it's I, I appreciate all the support that I've received. Um, um, since I brought forward uh, this um, proposal in October. Is there any board questions? None? Okay, I will open it up to public comments. And, and again, you can turn in your opposition letters here in, in the boardroom or the clerk's office. And that's, and just to clarify, Supervisor Taffanelli, that's uh, the notice specified that would be through the end of the public comment the period. End of public comment. Okay. <laughs> After I pulled it down, I see the message. Do, please do not touch the microphone. It's okay. It's okay. Too late. <laughs> I can't stand up for very long. 
You're fine, Gary. You're fine. Good morning, Mr. Chairman, members of the board. I'm Gary Caldwell from Valley Springs, and uh, I wanted to uh, comment on this uh, operation out there at the landfill and the parcel fee. I like the concept, very much in favor of the concept of being able to go to the transfer station and the landfill in most cases and not have to reach into your wallet and pay a fee. Now, you've already paid a fee, I understand that. And um, I was, to give you some background, I was public works director in Amador County in the 1980s and 1990s, long time ago. But landfilling has not changed much, particularly here in Calaveras County, they're burying garbage or you're burying garbage, the same way they've done for centuries. And I oppose the burying of garbage. I went to see a, a real MRF in Marysville for Yuba County, operated by a subsidiary of waste management uh, many years ago. And I was telling the chairman here earlier that the garbage trucks would come in and the public would come in, they'd dump on a concrete slab floor, and then the waste was pushed on conveyor belt up into a building and it went on a conveyor line, and there were pickers who threw things in, into bins. And at the other end of that building, the residual came out, and the residual amounted to about the size of a fire hose, and it looked like sand. That's what it looked like, and that was it. There was no other waste that needed to be either buried or hauled away. And I am hopeful that this board will see its way uh, to hopefully get something like that started here. And um, the uh, operation at Maysville or by Yuba County and, and Waste Management was a, what I consider a real MRF. What is described in the report, and I read the report done by your consultant, they refer to the landfill slash MRF. That's not a MRF in my mind. It's not a material recovery facility. It's um, not enough volume, and I heard this in Amador County when I was there running the, the operation of the landfill, that the volume was not sufficient to merit a MRF. And it's not sufficient here, apparently, according to your consultant. Gary, your time is up. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, Lord. Thank you for your comment. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, you're fine. Oh, Lord. Okay. You're good. Thank you, Gary. Is the uh, public hearing going to be closed today? Yes. Hi, uh, my name is Bernard Jorick. I'm from Valley Springs. I appreciate the opportunity to address the board today. A free dump, what a concept. You can take your garbage to the dump for free and have it disposed of. You know, when you have something like that, you have no excuse for dumping on the sides of the roadways in Calaveras County. When you start to increase fees and you make it impossible 
when people go to the dump and they've got to pay a lot of money, they're going to take it to the side of the road. So I think having a, a public dump for free is beneficial to us, and we should keep it that way. Uh, lately, more and more over the years uh, that I've lived in Valley Springs, I've seen more and more fees start to pile up. Fees for concrete, fees for wood, fees for, you know, different things. So there's already fees being assessed. So it's no longer really a free dump. So um, I think we need to look at that. Uh, I'm not against the increase. You know, things cost money. Things need need to be taken care of. I understand that. There hasn't been a fee increase for a while. But, you know, you guys just assessed me. Uh, the assessor just assessed my property again. And there's another couple hundred dollars gone out of my property that I'm not going to have. Okay? I'd like to see you take that money and address it towards the dumps if possible. Um, my insurance company just came to me last year and said, guess what? A lot of fires happened in these counties over the last couple of years. We're doubling your property insurance, okay? I worked within the disposal industry, kind of within the parks department. It was my job to clean up what was left behind in parks and alongside the streets. On the weekends, people where I worked came and dumped their garbage in the parks rather than take it to the dumps. If the dumps was free, they should have no reason. And in fact, they're actually advertising San Joaquin County right now that you're going to start getting fined for this stuff. It's so bad, okay? <clears throat> well, I'm retired now. I've put in my time. Um, I'm on a fixed income now. I get one set amount of money, and every time somebody jacks my, my rates up somewhere, you're going to get me up off the couch, and I'm going to come in, and I'm going to talk to you about it, okay? Because I'm concerned about that. Um, you know, with the inflation like it is right now, it's just not the dumps that wants more money, it's everybody wants more money. And this is just simply not the economy to do that in. Um, you know, I would rather see you guys, instead of just go ahead and improving this like that we're talking about here, I'd rather see you guys put it to a th two-thirds vote because you're not going to get a lot of citizens that will come in here and talk about something like this, you know. I would think you would put it up for two-thirds vote let the citizens vote, and if they take it, then that's what we do. We go that way. Thank you for your time. Hi, my name is Robin Barrick. I'm from Mountain Ranch. Um, I agree with the gentleman who just spoke in that um, I understand the increase. I also am on a fixed income. We've been hearing all day this morning about how people are suffering in this county. They can't pay their bills. They can't feed their families. Um, I understand the point of the increase. I truly do. But to increase it almost 100% of what we've already been paying, I think is ridiculous. Um, I didn't get 100% increase in my income, you know, and for, and for this county to ask people to increase the, the garbage by 100% is ridiculous. Do it by 50%. You know, I think most people are going to say, okay, I can afford another $70. You know, but to ask for $127 more um, on, your, on your bill is, um, is just going to be super, super hard for a lot of people in this county. Um, you know, that's all I've got to say. Thank you. Thank you.
My name is Jamie Eggers. My husband and I have owned the second home in the uppermost unit of Big Trees Village subdivision for 31 years. Of 30 homes, five of them are occupied full time, which is only 17%. This is pretty typical of our area in general. I'm here today to protest the proposed solid waste fee increase for the following reasons. Your Prop 218 notice says the proposed fee increase ensures that the amount charged does not exceed the proportional cost of waste disposal services attributable to those parcels. I contend that the cost is not proportional to vacation homeowners like myself. We used to have a part-time discount of 25%, which made the cost somewhat proportional. This board eliminated that discount in June of 2021 without notifying those who were receiving the discount that you were considering such an action. So we learned about this change when we received the notice for today's Prop 218 hearing. In our 31 years of homeownership, we have paid over $3,500 in parcel fees. And during that time, we've made only one visit to the Avery transfer station. That's a pretty costly single visit to that transfer station of over $3,500, and it doesn't seem proportional to me. When we eliminated the part-time discount, the only options considered were either to remove it or eliminate it, nothing else, when other options could have been considered. Today's action is similar to that in that your rate study considered only an increase to the parcel fee and nothing else. I understand that costs increase over 30 plus years, yet you're considering just increasing parcel fees and not increasing the landfill tip and gate fees, when they too have not been increased for 30 years. You should be doing both to have proportionality. I'm glad in the rate study to see that your proposal uh, would increase the commercial equivalent residential units because that breakdown isn't even close to proportional. In the current uh, system, the residential sector generates only 42% of the waste stream, yet they paid 92% of the $4.5 million in revenue for the most recent year. The proposal would adjust that now to something more proportional, yet the rate increase is viewed as too extreme for the commercial sector, so the proposal is to ease that burden for them and not achieve full cost recovery until 2025. For the residential sector, however, the 78 to 85% increase will come immediately in one swoop, with yet another proposed increase of 5.7% just three years from now. I have lots of other concerns after studying your materials online, but with only three minutes to speak and I have 15 seconds to go, um, these are my primary concerns. Please reconsider the action you've taken today, or you're taking today, to ensure that it is truly proportional. Consider increasing landfill fees as well, and please consider reinstating the part-time discount. Thank you. Thank you. Any other public comments? Good morning, my name is Bernard Thomas. Um, I got the notice in the mail like everyone did in the county. I'm reading through it. And then something dawned on me. There's a lot of numbers on here and some history goes back with dates and all that. Really what this is, is a confession. This is a confession by the Board of Supervisors. You have not been doing your job over the past 10, 15, 20 years. Now, all of a sudden, we hit the wall and we have to almost double the fees for running the landfill effort. So, after years of neglect, you're coming to the taxpayers and saying, We're really going to work you over this time. 
Through the years, we have paid our taxes. We were told that this was supposed to be set up to go way into the future. It hasn't happened. In the last couple of years, and I attended a lot of meetings here, when the public works person was going through contracts relating to equipment out at the uh, down the road, and I got it down in Milton, you could always say, take the highest bid, because I know these people. I've worked with them. That's not the way government contracting works. You get the lowest bid and you administer the contract. How much money was wasted giving it away to friends of friends who have access to the Board of Supervisors and can use their position to try to get contracts for their friends? All we have now, all we've been able to come up with is plan A. We get finished with that. What's the next option? Plan A. There's no plan B or plan C. Why not get a task force together, work with communities or neighbors to work? Toronto County doesn't have a landfill. Look, work with other communities to see what's going on. Take a look at the contracts you have. This management does a great job in Toronto County. I don't know what the Gambies do in Calaveras County. I use the transfer station. If there is a fee, it's my choice to go there, use it, and pay the fee. I don't have a choice now when it's on my property tax. If I don't pay it, I'm in trouble. I'm not one of that select few in this county that can say, I haven't got enough money to pay my taxes and nothing's going to happen. I've been here for almost 40 years. I pay my taxes. I remember when we went through the dump and all that in the beginning, the promise was made, this should last forever. Well, forever, well, not forever, but it, it, we're out. We're done. And I'm saying, all you've got is plan A, which is defective. What you want to do is double the rate and keep the same plan. There, there's no hope that anything's going to change. Surely you can come up with something a little bit better than plan A. Thank you. More public comments. Good morning, board. Mike Castro, Valley Springs. I understand the need for the upgrade. Um, I don't mean to repeat some of the commentary that just came before me, but I would like to also say that I'm wondering why you're not considering alternate funding such as increasing the use fees. Users should pay a greater share for the operation and maintenance. Multi-unit um, family units should pay more than single family units as far as the increase on our property taxes. Secondly, you're proposing a 120% increase in 2024 and a 5.7% increase in 2026. Can't you figure out how to structure this over several years rather than front-loading it? Just a couple ideas. Maybe there's a way to slow it down so the impact's not so severe for the community. Thank you for your time. Good morning again, Mark Bolger, Mountain Ranch. Um, 32 years this has been addressed. Someone needs to talk to Tryon and Callaway. Those guys skated way too easy on this. Um, not speaking on behalf of Mountain Ranch, but as an individual that takes part in it, having the transfer stations keeps our roads and our county much, much cleaner. Um, I have the immense pleasure of having the passing lane section on Mountain Ranch Road. I'm sure Jack knows exactly what that is, where everyone goes 90 miles an hour and all their garbage flies out. <laughs> um, 
I think that we've got a really good system in this county. And as someone that's got quite a few parcels that's going to be increased fees on, um, I begrudgingly support this. Um, I very much sympathize with folks that are on a fixed income. I think that um, if there was some possibility to look at some kind of waiver or sliding scale, um, I forgive my ignorance, but I did not take the time to look through the whole report or Nexus study that you guys prepared. Um, I certainly think that's worth a try. But um, all in all, 32 years, this is a long time coming. Um, possibly this is something that should be revisited every five years. This might not have the sticker shock effect that it is having right now. Um, but again, sorry, you guys, that you're the ones having to deal with it, but I'm glad at least we're addressing the issue. Um, I think this goes back to um, much of what we've spoken about today, that you know, yeah, this is us investing in our infrastructure, and I'm certainly not a huge fan of what a lot of the state of California does, but us relinquishing control of having our landfill and operating it, um, that's a scary thought. And unfortunately, the only way we're going to be able to utilize this for decades to come is a parcel fee increase. Um, I would like to mention that I think on commercial fees, it might be worth sharpening the pencil a little bit on that one. Um, I personally own a business. It's commercially zoned property. And we've never self-hauled to the dump once. Um, not saying we should be exempt by any stretch of the imagination, but I think that you know, we need to look at the fact that third-party haulers, i.e. waste management, services most businesses in the county. Um, just a thought. So anyway, sorry you guys are the ones uh, having to catch the hot potato, but... I'm glad we're doing it now and not 32 years from now. Thank you. Other public comments? Mr. De La Cruz. Good morning, Chairperson and board members. Francisco De La Cruz, uh, Valley Springs. I'm only a five-year-old, as it means to be a Calaveras resident. I came from another C county called Clallam County up in Washington State. They had a little dump problem that they didn't address, and their garbage started falling into the ocean. So as a result of their work, uh, turned into a $26 million fix to move garbage from one location 900 feet into the land. Our uh, tipping fee went from $140 a ton to the highest fee in Washington State at $240-some dollars a ton. I got into the habit of self-dumping my stuff to another dump in the next county, which only charged me $10 a load, et cetera. What I've experienced here is a very well-run operation from my experience. I appreciate the work that the staff is doing out of the Milton dump, I haven't seen any of the transfer stations. I don't know where all of the garbage from those transfer stations goes or where waste management takes their, their stuff. But I do think that somebody was a little bit asleep at the switch to wait 30 some odd years to address something that is sitting there biting us in the you know what. So I hope that we take the opportunity to look at some of the things that are being mentioned here is perhaps a little balance. Multi-family units, uh, they should be uh, a little bit more, the more families there generated, et cetera, on a parcel, la, 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 simple math. Same thing for commercials. One of the things I did for the county is I did a waste stream study. 
and I identified for them a savings of over $449,000 if they managed the waste stream a little differently, because they weren't. They weren't doing the carpeting, recycling like you guys are doing it. They were mixing in construction debris and the regular stuff. A lot of things that they weren't doing that they now do, and they're saving some money. My point is here is that this needs just a little bit more work. You've seen some of the reaction that people have had as the sticker shock, et cetera. Maybe if you could spread out the introduction of some of these payments over time. Maybe if there were some similar discounts or volume discounts, i.e., if you use less than four yards of uh, waste per month, your fee is X. If you need more than four yards, your fee is Y, please, X, or what have you. But it doesn't seem like a flat parcel is going to hit the right balance. I appreciate the time, and I hope you take further time before you finalize the final numbers on this. Thank you. Other public comments? Uh, thank you, supervisors. I just wanted to be able to exercise my rights to be able to say yes or no. So that's what I've done here with different parcels that I own and then plus my mother's adjacent. I do agree with the previous gentleman that and a couple people uh, maybe a little bit of the increase over the next four or five years, something like that, instead of a immediate increase would probably be a little bit um, easier to take for the taxpayers. But here are six six no votes thank you any other public comments morning supervisors rick DiBicello, resident of wallace i've been in the county for the 44 years uh we've needed this increase as somebody talked about quite a while back, I understand that. Um, I disagree with Mr. McManus in his statement of, you know, of what he said, basically. I think that what people don't understand is that if, I understand this is a big increase, and I'm with some of the folks that have said it would be nice to spread it out over three or four or five years, however you folks can do that. Um, but there's a cost to doing business, Cost continues to go up. Our employee costs are going up. If we don't do something now, in another 32 years, we're going to be in big, big trouble. Um, I know that integrated waste management has done quite a bit to extend the life of the current cells that we have now, which they have done. Um, I know as a resident, when I bought my place 15 years ago down in Wallace, I was paying $42 a month for garbage service. That is now $97 a month. That's a heck of a lot more than what it costs for me to go to the landfill. Um, I don't know, or I know that not everyone can afford to go to the landfill, nor do they have the ability to take their garbage to the landfill. So they're using a service. Um, I think that uh, Cal Waste is overcharging us because they have the market cornered, my personal opinion. Now, I'm gonna put my sheriff's hat on. <laughs> And from the sheriff's standpoint, if we don't have a landfill in this county, go look at the other counties and look at how much garbage is laying on the side of the roads. We see it on a daily basis because we're out driving these roads all the time. Um, and we do see dumped garbage on the long side of our highway. If we didn't have 
the demand for that we have, even with the rate increase that you're going to see, the people that would do guns on the side of the highways are not paying the rates anyhow. Or they're, they don't care about the rates because they're dumping garbage on the side of the highway. At least with our landfill, our county can go by, which they do all the time, because I've called them and said, hey, there's a boat parked on the side of Highway 12 and um, all over the road, and they picked it up, and it got disposed of. So it keeps our county clean. Go to Amador, go to Tualatin County, and look at the way their facilities are run, and look at their garbage on the side of the road. They have a problem. And as a sheriff of this county, if we can't keep our highways clean, it's going to cause more problems because we're going to get more complaints, and we're not going to be able to handle the calls for service because we're going to be dealing with garbage on the side of the highway. Thank you. Thank you, Rick. Any other public comments? Are there any public comments online? Yes, I'm Gail Bungie. Gail? Yes, can you hear me? Yes. Thank you. I'm a constituent in District 3, and um, I, my husband and I both are very pleased with the waste management that we have in this county, and it's great. As a general protest, I do not like the idea of raising rates almost 100% in one fell swoop. Um, as Jennifer, and I'm sorry, Jennifer, I don't know your last name, mentioned, this will be providing for the future. I would rather see a smaller increase now for those people, as many have stated, who are on a fixed income, and then in five, in 10 years, add another increase um, for those future residents. Um, I also was a little I'm unclear, and I don't know if you have time to um, explain this, but the commercial properties will be charged five ERUs. Is that the same for every commercial property, whether it's a large property or a small one? Can anybody answer that at the moment? Nope. Nobody can hear me. Jennifer Cashy, Director of Integrated Waste. Um, to answer your question, the the current uh, uh, fee structure for commercial waste is um, is going to be further resolved in this next year. We'd like to bring the commercial um, back, and the reason being is because we want to identify and, and get a little bit more granular on the types of businesses um, and have uh, more data to um, identify what those uh, um, waste generations are for each business. So in other words, I'm sorry, Jennifer, what you're saying is that that commercial fee schedule would not go into effect in this next year, but you would be re-assessing uh, it? Is that what you're saying? The proposed rate increase for the commercial would go into effect. Okay. And and I'd like to kind of elaborate on the Nexus fee study. The, it came back with a 120% increase recommendation. So the board did decide to take the lesser impact um, route with an 85% increase. So with the um, from a, a 
by law, um, they could have imposed that 120% increase. Um, uh, however, they chose the 85%. But that is that will be the same for any commercial property? Uh, the current proposal is for any commercial property right now, yes. Okay, so it seems to me there should wait, wait, be we're some- not, We yeah. can't get into a discussion here. You have public comments, you answered some of your questions, but you only had a three minute limit and that limit is up. Okay. okay, thank you very much. All right, thank you. Any other public comment? Just a reminder to Zoom participants, if you would like to speak, you need to raise your hand. Um, so at this time, I'm not seeing any other public comment. Okay, so is there any other public comments in the room? If not, I'm going to close the public hearing and bring it back to the board. And at this time, we need to take a break because we need to, when we come back, have a full tally of everything that's been turned in during this time and prior. And we will have that information when we come back from the break. Will I have time to um, address anything else you after? You, you will. Wonderful. Yeah. We, we just need time to, to sure. add tally. So. Sounds good. get the okay from uh, the clerk. Uh, what we're gonna do is it's 12 o'clock. We're going to go to lunch um, because there's some tallying that needs to be done and finished up. So we're gonna go to lunch and we're gonna come back here at 1.15 and we'll finish up this item and go on to the next item. So we will reconvene at 1.15 after lunch. explanation as to why we went into lunch because um, we had a number of opposition letters come in and it takes some time. It's just not counting them. We have to go through the APNs and make sure that the property owner is that owns that property and there's improvements on that property. 
that would require them to be part of this fee increase. So it took some time to go through and verify all of that. That's why we decided to go, it wasn't just counting them. So uh, Jennifer, you wanna come up? Thank you, uh, uh, Jennifer Cashy, Director of Integrated Waste. Um, as, as you mentioned, uh, Mr. Toffinelli, um, we did have to verify any additional uh, uh, oppositions or public comment that came in. Um, all uh, previous oppositions that we have received have been uploaded onto our website and made public. Um, that is a link that is in the agenda item. Any additional ones we received today have been um, copied and made available for your uh, consideration. And that was a total of 23 additional valid oppositions um, coming to our total of 331 uh, valid oppositions um, that we've received. Okay. And can you, do you have more of your presentation or you? Um, well, I would like to just, uh, just a couple points of clarity. Um, this is not a tax, this is a fee. And so I want to make sure that that's, um, that's understood um, correctly, that this is a fee and it is not a tax. It does show up on your property tax bill, but this is a fee that um, would be um, a solid waste fee. And additionally, the, um, I'd like to make mention of what you've already um, uh, identified is that this solid waste fee only applies to those properties that are improved. So if you currently have an unimp unimproved parcel that does not receive the solid waste fee, you will not generate a new solid waste fee. You have to have an improvement on that property to, um, to have a solid waste fee uh, uh, charged to you. Okay. So with the public hearing closed, we'll bring it back to the board. Is there a comment from the board? Well, Supervisor Stopper. Um, there was a lot of things brought up from uh, the people in the room on, on comments. Um, you know, brought up, you know, why are we doing this all at once? Why didn't, why wasn't this dealt with in the past? And, you know, that, that as supervisors coming in later, we do take the responsibility of the supervisors and what they did in the past. And part of that responsibility is, uh, realizing the sometimes what are perceived shortcomings and addressing them. And at this point, you know, uh, I, I, I hear you because, you know, it's, we, we looked at these rates and, you know, generally if I just look at this one, it's $23.08 a month, which, you know, a lot of us would perceive as that not being that much, but the points were brought up, you know, everything's going up. This, this impacts everyone as a whole and, and adds to everything else we're paying more into at the same time. The question, came up about you know why don't we why do it all at once why wait till later well when i first came on the sport i was talking about this and i took the lead on the solid waste task force um and i was talking about it from day one being as board and there was a former supervisor that was in here is like i've been hearing that for the last 20 years what you know the same thing and then that perception changed from that supervisor a couple of years later. They're like, yeah, actually, we do need to deal with this now. 
because there's like we came forward with the real numbers and, and the reality of the situation and this landfill is about to close Tuolumne County and Amador County have been a thought consideration from the past and they're closing of the landfills every one of those counties regrets it those people are paying more in fees and everything to ship everything out of the county or or the fees that it actually costs to go to the Amador County landfill which really isn't in operation for for the public um or uh, quite a bit more than what we're talking about today the cow waste fees with businesses um and our our cost we weren't provided all the information and we need to revisit that and make sure that we got those numbers right in the future and we we made a pledge as the board that we would come back and revisit those along with the uh the fees for the constituents i see right now the one best benefit from the cow waste contract was the fact that they were taking a lot of our solid waste outside the county since 2016 so that we could extend the current life of our landfill right now till 2025 which we're coming up on to at this moment that contract comes back before us if the with this landfill is expanded at that point we're not forced to send solid waste outside the county and then that can be a consideration of the contract and bring those cow waste or whatever contract that may be fee type of fees down at that point because the cost is sitting out of the counties quite a bit more so um you know in consideration it wasn't just plan a there was plan b plan c there's a lot of considerations throughout everything going through this process and those have all been co considered coming up to this point we discussed it the as miss cassie sa said you know the recommendation was for 120 percent uh, of what the amount was i made the proposal um you know extending paying back the loan for the expansion of it and we brought that price down and then there was also consideration of raising those rates in the future and i i i am you know after seeing what the costs are as we move forward in the cost of doing business i think we need to do that regularly and continue to see that before we actually put forward any rate hikes in the in the future the fact that nothing was done since 1991 until now is part of what the problem is and if we just wait longer it's going to cost us more so that percentage goes up on cost if we would have been expanding the landfill five years ago and, and getting those numbers done we would have paid less and it wouldn't cost everyone as much and, and it's you know it's a hard fight but to make it work and for the best, actually bang for the buck for the county, I'm seeing right here is keeping that landfill open for our constituents and then re-looking at a, at a uh, contract in 2026 that's competitive so that we can actually have service to the people and, and continue that into the future for our future generations. It's a lot more than I needed to say, Gary, but, you know, 
I need to say it. Any other board comments? I have a few comments. Um, <clears throat> you know, this is very difficult. This is very difficult because of a number of people that I've spoken to or have contacted me that are on fixed income and, and over the age of 65 and how everything is happening right now. And it is, as I spoke of earlier, it is very difficult for them to keep their homes with everything going up. Uh, uh, it was brought up earlier about um, home insurance, um, doubling uh, for fire insurance. Some of them just let it go because they can't afford it, but they want to stay in their home, and I understand that. Um, I'm 70 years old, and I'm going to be on a fixed income myself at some point here in the near future, and I'm going to be worrying about costs associated with my home insurance and everything else with the cost is going up. But, but I will say this, um, being on the board, and I was on the board in 2009, um, we had a discussion at that time. We had discussion going into um, 2010, and it was brought to us at the time Public Works. It wasn't an individual department like it is now. It was Public Works. But the recession hit. In 2009, 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12, the recession hit, and everything, it just wasn't, we had the conversation. It wasn't a time to hit people with an increase on something. So, And we were looking at the, the, the life of the cell at that time. Um, so once the recession was over, it wasn't that long when we were talking about it, and COVID hit. And the same thing with COVID. Everybody was, it was very difficult to even think about um, with everybody losing their jobs and things that were going on, have an increase. It wasn't the right time. And I'm not saying this is the right time for the big increase, but it, it's very difficult when you're trying to increase something in the fees. It's not like we're a a private industry and we can just charge the public if we get an increase to charge the public to cover the increase we've been trying to hold off for the last 10 12 years by extending the contract that, that ben spoke about extending the length of that and that was part of the things that we decided we could do in order to extend the life and put off putting towards these fees but i will tell you over the course of that time what's affecting us right now too is the fact that we have to close the cell it's going to be have to be closed and that takes takes money to do, not just run that cell and open a new one, that takes money, and not even after you just cover it with dirt. The, the requirements by the state, that were mandated by the state for the monitoring of it, for methane gas and water leakage underneath, um, that's all costs money. That's That has to be 24-7, 365 monitoring that, and we have to monitor it. We don't get money from the state for that. That's all added into those costs that we've been doing over these 30 years while that cell is open. Um, and you look at what we're doing with the lining in the new cell that we're opening up, well, we're 30 years in the future from this, the, the lining that we had to use back, that was technology back then. And we've already experienced some leakage and had to rectify some of that through the state because they monitor us and we have to turn in reports. Um, so those costs are there regardless. And those are now added costs that we have to deal with when we go forward opening a new cell. And I, I, I truly believe that uh, if Amador and Tuolumne had, talking to some of them, um, had the chance to not close their cells and do what they did, that they would not have done that because those costs continue to rise. They're trucking into Nevada from Tuolumne. And, and, and they're paying 
whatever the landfill is charging them and the increases go up, they have to pass that on to the consumers. And so they're steadily rise. They're way over what we're asking here right now for what their costs. And then you go through there, like the sheriff brought up, or even in Amador, people are just dumping trash because they can't afford it. Well, this is not, I mean, we're talking about um, on your tax bill, a fee, um, additional fee of 6350 every for the two times that you have to pay once in december and once in april um, that's the increase for the 127 dollars that we're looking at here um, and and you look at we are going to redo and and look at another look at the commercial but you have to look at it's commercial it's a private business just like their products increase prices they pass that on to the consumer if their increases are going to happen for this, they're going to pass that on to the consumer. And I'm not advocating for them in any way, shape, but it's all going to be passed on. That's how it is. And we're just trying to charge you or move what we see in our, in our uh, study that was given to us that we had done, um, what our costs look like. You're looking at state of California and clean air vehicles. Um, that's all part of it too. The, the equipment that we're using out there is dated, but at some point we're going to be acquired by the state to replace those vehicles to clean air vehicles. That's cost that we have to do associated with it. And the same thing is with with the, the if we closed it and went out to an, another by like Cal Waste, the, their proposal, they're going to have to go to clean air vehicles too. That's going to be passed on. No matter what you do here, it's all going to be passed on, and we're trying to keep it at a minimum. Supervisor Stopper is correct, and and uh, Ms. Cassie is also correct that it came back that we needed to increase it by 120 percent, and the board could not do that. We reduced it down to 85 percent, the best that we could. So I I again. I understand, and so I'm going to advocate to the board that between now and September, when we have final budget, if we could have at least admin or Jennifer look at some way that we could offset the cost to people over age 65 and on a fixed income that maybe cannot absorb all of this at one time on the two property bills that they have. I think um, that's the least we could do for our constituents to at least help in that way um, for the offset, not only this cost rising, but all the other rising costs associated with trying to keep them in their homes um, and, and keep them safe and be able to not just be moved out in the street because of rising costs. So I'm an advocate for that, and I would hope the board would at least give the opportunity to admin and uh, maybe even Corey, uh, some of the programs they have with uh, um, HHS and some of the funds they get from California to set up some type of program where if you meet the criteria that's set up on a fixed income over the age of 65, that you can become eligible to offset some of these costs associated with this. So that's my comments. I don't know where the rest of the board is on that, but. <clears throat> Supervisor Heberty? I'll say well said, Chairman. Said. Supervisor Stopper, your microphone's on. Is there anything else that needs to be said before a motion's made, sir? Um, I'd just like to make sure if we could get the motion to at least give admin an opportunity. Uh, no, I was, I was willing to uh, 
add that into the motion. Okay. Open for a motion. I'd like to uh, make a motion to amend the county solid waste parcel fee to establish new land use categories as per what's put forward in this at the 85 percentile. And uh, for, for the schedule, for the schedule for the 23-24 fiscal year. Would also like to uh, authorize the recording by the county recorder and also give direction to staff to look in possibilities for, I'm not gonna say 65, Mr. Topknowing. Okay, what's your moment? You know, what, what, what the possibilities are for having um, help or how would I say it, Council? Uh, um, I think I know a lot of cities do have similar programs, and I, they call it some call it um, utility assistance or a subsidy uh, or rebate. Yeah. I mean, so but yeah, yeah I mean, when it comes to a, a informative discussion, study session, or whatever, and finding out what our possibilities are legally moving forward on something that with in its entirety, you know, and not limited so much to 65, right. but to I, I reti retirees or, you know, I agree. people that can prove that they're having financial difficulty making ends meet. I agree. Well said. That's, that's my motion. I think that is that. Okay. Yeah. Do I have a motion? Do I have a second? I'll second. I have a motion by Supervisor Stopper, second by Supervisor Hoverty. All in favor? Uh, Aye. Opposed? Passes 5-0. Thank you. Thank you, Supervisor Stopper, for clarifying that. I didn't mean to put an aid. No. My concerns are... No. I completely heard what you had to say, and I wanted to elaborate on it, because it's not just an age. So... Okay, so we're going to move on to item number 34, and we are already set up, so we don't need to take a break. Um, Gabriel and Julie, um, this is a resolution from planning, conduct a public hearing, and adopt a resolution denying the appeal filed by Allison and Jonathan Nemuth of the Planning Commission's decision affirming the planning director's denial of an administrative use permit or an AUD for a series of private special events at 769 Dogtown Road in, in unincorporated Angels Camp, and two, find a denial of the field exempt from sequel. And so what we usually do on the denial, uh, a um, um, appeal is we will, I will open a public hearing, I will open it now. We will give the opportunity for the planning department county to give their side, and then we will open it up to the appeal side and give you time to put your presentation and then we'll go back to planning for anything they have to say and then come back to you um, and then we'll have public comments okay so we will open it up to gabriel uh thank you mr chair members of the board our county administrative officer county council members of the audience uh, we are here today because of an appeal of an application that was decided upon by the Planning Commission. Uh, specifically, uh, the Nemeth had applied for an administrative use permit 
back in February. And uh, the application was reviewed by the planning department. And the planning director, me at the time, uh, was obligated to make some specific findings regarding the application. Upon those findings, the application was denied. The Namath then appealed my denial uh, to the Planning Commission. Uh, the Planning Commission held a hearing on the item and came to the conclusion that the Planning Director's determination was accurate and they also uh, passed a resolution uh, supporting the denial of the Planning Director's uh, decision. The Namus then file an appeal of the Planning Commission's denial. And uh, according to county code, such denial would actually come to the board. So, uh, and that is why we are here today, is to consider the denial requests, uh, to, to consider the denial of the application by the Planning Commission and, uh, and see if the board has a different perspective. From our standpoint, our recommendation is that upon holding public hearing that you support the findings of the Planning Commission, which supports the findings of the Planning Director. If I can get my um, uh, uh, PowerPoint presentation going here, I I'll just go over a few, a few items. So specifically, the application uh, for the special event was for five specific events, which included four private weddings and a fireman's ball on a property which is zoned RRX. Uh, there are two uses in the RR zone uh, that required further analysis to determine fit, which are special events and agritourism. Special events are defined in the county uh, code section 1706-1807 as an organized activity, assembly, or event to which the public is invited to watch, listen, or participate, and for which compensation may be made for the use of the site and facilities if held on private property. The purpose of a special event, according to our code, uh, is to provide for review, for a reprocess to consider activities or uses which may be compatible with other permitted uses within a zone district, but due to their nature may have an impact on the environment or the public health, safety, and welfare of the community. Special event permits require consideration of site design, adjacent land uses, availability of public infrastructure and services, 
and environmental impacts based on a specific location of, every, of any proposed activity or use requiring such a permit. Some of the examples given in our code for what special events are include races, carnivals, concerts, health educational fairs, arts and crafts, flea markets, farmers markets, or any event with mechanized amusement rides, any event that will take place on a public right-of-way within the boundaries of the county other than the exemptions listed in section 1787030. Uh, let me go to the next slide. Special events per section 1787 is permitted in RR. Private events are not special events as defined by our county code. Special event must be open to the public. Private weddings are by definition not open to the public. Weddings cannot be approved as special events per section 1787. Per 1787090A2, special event permits can also be denied if the time and duration of the use of amplified sound would unduly interfere with the residents' quiet enjoyment of their property for an extended and unreasonable period of time, and the applicant is unable or unwilling to modify the special event size, location, time, or duration to minimize such interference. Uh, the particular events uh, that are being proposed include amplified music for up to five hours and uh, that go up to about 10 p.m. and for up to 300 guests. Many of the applicants' neighbors have reported that events of this nature have already been occurring and have asked the commission to deny the application for reasons that include the length and duration of the amplified music. It is reported that the amplified music coming from events of this nature shake windows, bothers animals, and make it impossible for neighbors to carry on normal conversation during outdoors on their own property. The applicants are aware of these complaints, but have not indicated that they wish to modify the size, location, time, or duration of the events or amplified music. While the dates of all events applied for have passed, applicants acknowledge that they seek to apply for permits for similar events in the future and to permanently develop their property into a special events venue for these types of events. So even if weddings were special events, the permit would still need to be uh, denied under section 1787 of the code due to the proposed use of amplified music. Similarly, <clears throat> if the fireman's ball, and, and this is an you know, argument from a planning commission's hearing is open to the public, and it does a special event under 1787, or if it involves a similar use 
of amplified sound, it would need to be denied under 1787 for, this, for the same reasons. Uh, in section 1783, denying or approving a special event uh, come with four specific findings. The first finding requires that the use must be consistent with the general plan and the zoning ordinance. The Planning Commission agreed that these findings could not be made. The Planning Commission decided that the second finding requiring a big enough land area for the proposed event was met. Property is, I think, on about 24.6 acres or something of that nature. The third finding requires a finding that the proposed use will not, will not, will not even potentially affect the public health, safety, and general welfare. The Planning Commission agreed that this finding could not be made. The fourth finding requires that conditions have been applied to the permit to protect the environment and general health, safety, and welfare. The Planning Commission agreed that the application of conditions would not be adequate to remedy the reasons for denial. Thus, the Commission found that only one of the four required findings were met. As part of the AEP process, the Planning Department sent public notices to property owners within a 300-foot radius of the proposed event location. Eleven notices, including a notice to the applicant as a landowner, were sent. Eight surrounding property owners responded to the notice. And uh, the responding property owner's map, as you could see on the screen, uh, show uh, the properties northerly, westerly, easterly, southeasterly, and southwesterly surrounding the Nemoth property. Many of the applicants' neighbors have reported that events of this nature have already been occurring and have asked the Commission to deny the application for reasons that include the length and duration of amplified music. It is reported that the amplified music coming from events of this nature shakes windows, bothers animals, makes it impossible for neighbors to carry on conversation outdoors on their property. Uh, these are some of the, uh, uh, to the top right-hand corner uh, is a map showing the uh, property in question. Uh, the bottom right-hand corner is uh, a tent facility that uh, some of these events have taken place in. Uh, most of the events are sometimes held outdoors. And, and the tent uh, is a temporary structure which was approved in 2022, is the only covered event structure. There are no walls or other sound barriers protecting the neighbors from the traffic sounds and amplified music, uh, even though uh, the applicant informed me that they actually planted some trees uh, or attempted to plant some trees to, to act as buffer. The denial of the AUP uh, was uh, 
the city of Angels concurs with the denial of the AUP. Uh, the city explained that Dogtown Road is not built for large crowds and has extremely poor ingress and egress access to Highway 49. Traffic burden at Highway 49 and 12 cross section. The city could not be uh, affected by the traffic. The city would be affected by the traffic and road impacts, but is not receiving the mitigation funding for road repairs or restoration activities because the project is outside their city limits. The city also cited concerns with the project's potential burden on law enforcement, fire marshal, and building. The proposed AUP is a prohibited use in the RR zone. Even if it was allowed in the RR zone, the AUP would still need to be denied because the required health, safety, and welfare findings cannot be made. From a CEQA standpoint, the project is categorically exempt from CEQA pursuant to Section 15270, which exempts disapproved projects from CEQA. Should the denial of this permit be overturned in whole or in part, the planning department will need to prepare a CEQA document appropriate for the granting of the permit. Staff recommends that the Board of Supervisors adopt Planning Commission's recommended resolution affirming Planning Director's denial of the AUP. And both planning staff and county council are there any board questions so far? None. We're available for questions. We don't have any at this time. So now we will let the applicant present their case. Thank you. Good afternoon, Chair and Board Members. My name is Diane Kinderman. I'm an attorney with the law firm of Abbott and Kinderman based in Sacramento, and I represent the, app, uh, the appellant in this matter, uh, the Nemeth, and the owner, Mrs. Allison Nemeth, who is also here today, as is Jonathan Nemeth. And also with me today is um, Mr. Brian Holloway of Holloway Land Company, who is a land use uh, consultant to us as well on this matter. Um, before I start, just one housekeeping item. We did send a letter yesterday. I know it came late. We had technical issues getting it over to the county because of the size. We apologize for that. We weren't able to complete the letter till we received the staff report, which we did not get till Friday. I know that's allowed, but it makes it difficult for someone to respond to things that might be a little different in the staff report. Um, I do have additional copies of the letter here that I printed out, put on the table by Gabriel. There are actually tabs on the various exhibits. I would be happy to pass them out if you would like them, or if you would not like them, we can just leave them there. Sure. I will just refer to one or two of those. Um, also, I just wanted to mention procedurally that uh, I'm going to, um, I would like to proceed in this manner. One, I'm not going to reiterate this entire brief to you. There really 
is not too much different from what we identified in the record to the Planning Commission, except for some new case law we cited where we think there's some vulnerabilities for the county in regard to how this is being um, addressed, how the, the, what the conclusions are being made, uh, what conclusions are being made here and how it's being addressed. So it's somewhat similar, um, but my goal is to touch on the two key issues um, talk about how we think the county's approach actually violates some state and federal law, which we know you don't want to do that. Um, you may disagree with us, but we believe that it does. And third, we have solutions. And these are solutions we presented to the Planning Commission and solutions we're going to present again to the board for you to consider. After I speak for a few minutes, I'd like to give um, Allison Nemeth the opportunity to speak for a couple of minutes and Jonathan Nemeth. And then after that, I'm assuming that everyone from the public would speak, I would sure appreciate the opportunity to rebut anything that perhaps is raised by the public and answer any additional questions you might have. And so if that were to be allowed, that would be terrific. I'm requesting that ability to rebut if that's possible. Chair Nelly, the board's procedures do provide for a rebuttal from appellant after the public comment and then a chance for the public to rebut that, so. <laughs> yeah. Whatever you think is best, I just thought I'd ask for that as we get started. So the two, so I appreciate um, staffs working with us and their summary here. I will note that many of the facts identified um, about what's happening or what has happened at the property are not entirely correct. Um, some are not correct at all. Some are partially correct. Uh, the Holland has not been operating out there since before the, for any commercial activity since before our planning commission meeting. So um, any activity out there has ceased and we want you to understand that. They've also tried to work very closely with neighbors on the noise issue because that obviously is a big concern to neighbors. They want to be a good neighbor. They purchase their own decibel equipment to make sure that they are keeping it under certain decibels and they're trying to be very diligent in that respect. But let's go back to the key issues and I know Mr. Nemeth is going to talk about a few of the factual discrepancies and clarify some of those for the board. Mm -hmm. So the first key issue here is the county's interpretation of what does or does not constitute a special event based on uh, the code section, the county's code section. And um, we believe that weddings should constitute a special event. And the reason is because for decades, the county actually has interpreted weddings as constituting uh, special events. And in fact, the county has allowed 31 other wedding event venues in the identical and similar zones as the appellant zone. So uh, attachment one of our letter, the first exhibit, are the lists by name and zone of all the wedding event venues which are actually unpermitted here in the county in the same or similar zones. Eight of them are in the identical zone. They have no permits, but their wedding events are deemed special wedding um, uh, operations are deemed special events. So the NEMAs are being treated disparately from other event operators here in the county. That's, that's the first key issue. One, the county has historically interpreted weddings to be special events and we would like the county to continue to do so. 
Um, also, none of those uh, venues have received any um, letters of code enforcement for operating their events um, without any permits. The second key issue here is the county's statement or finding, as it was referred to. This is located at page 1183 in the staff packet in the staff report. And it's the statement that basically says there are no, no conditions of approval that could in any way prevent an uh, use, such as a wedding or other similar event at that property, from being a inimical to the public health, safety, or welfare. So once again, not a single condition of approval could be provided here that could address noise or traffic. That is this bold statement that has been made in the staff report. And once again, that statement, I don't know if it's deemed a finding, but it lacks accurate fact, uh, any factual support that's accurate, and it lacks any reference to any adopted statute, um, ordinance, regulation, general plan, anything. It's simply just a general statement that no condition of approval could ever make a wedding on a 24-acre property, a wedding of 150 people, not be um, a degradation to the public health, safety, and welfare. So that's the second key issue here that we think needs to be addressed. Um, next, I'm going to talk about what we believe, um, this interpretation, how it results in a violation of the law. It results in a violation of local, state, and federal law, and we hear it in this regard. So first of all, um, it violates state law regarding uniformity of zoning, and uniformity of zoning is required not only for content of your ordinance, but for the application of your ordinance. And the application of your ordinance is not, it's not being applied equally here. It's being applied in one way to the Nemeth, to the applicants, and it's being applied another way to 31 other venues in same and similar zones here. And I cite to the code sections um, that refer to uni uh, uniformity of, um, of zoning. Uh, this disparate treatment of the appellant also results in a violation of the equal protection clauses of both the state and the federal constitution. Now, I practiced land use law and environmental law for a long time. Some of you here at the county know my firm. We do not make this claim lightly. Uh, we have a lot of clients who call and say they're violating my constitutional rights. And I say, I know it feels that way, but they actually can do that. And I say that more often than we would make this kind of a conclusion. But we really believe that this interpretation um, of your ordinance on weddings and the way this has been handled with the NEMAS, in fact, is a violation of their equal protection rights under the clauses, under both the state and federal constitution. Finally, and this is something I didn't realize, um, but weddings and other similar gatherings are also protected speech. And we cite to the case law in there that says so. And because they're, um, they are protected speech, the criteria for denying that type of an event it has a higher standard. It's not just the, the rational basis standard, it's a little bit higher. And there's a specific case cited, I believe this is all at page 14 of the letter, if you want to glance at the comparison. But in that case, it says, Ventura, it's about, it involves Ventura County, 
says Ventura based their denial of a permit for the wedding venue on these following findings. And they list all three of those findings are listed at the top of the page. The court held those standards were ambiguous. And they granted an impermissible degree of discretion in granting or denying the wedding venue permit to the director. And then you look at our standards, we're listed right below that, and they're very remarkably similar. And we believe they're similar enough that they are vague enough and ambiguous enough, because here we are talking about them, that in fact it does violate um, protected speech. So those are the key three legal issues um, that we, once again, this is not something we often allege, but we think they're valid arguments here. Um, once again, we, we've included case references, statutory references on those as well. The other thing I wanted to mention is what is really a pretty provocative case at page 12, if you go back, and it's the Hardesty case out of Sacramento. Maybe some of you had heard of it because you, you know, do sit on the board and, um, what happened here was um, the federal, a federal court, a jury, um, found the Sacramento County liable for violations of violating plaintiff's substantive due process rights. Now here we're not talking about substantive due process. We are talking about other constitutional rights in a land use context, and that's what that case was about. And in that case, the jury awarded $30 million to a landowner for violation of their substantive due process rights. And one of the board members, the planning director and a senior planner were also found personally, individually liable for violating this landowner's um, due process rights. And um, in, the, in the millions of dollars, those, those awards were appealed of course, but th this is what a jury found in terms of um, constitutional rights and land use, um, land use in a land use context here. We believe that the county's selective enforcement of their ordinance and the determination of what constitutes, constitutes a special event and a wedding, um, that they are singling out the appellant and treating them differently than they've treated the other 31 property owners that are listed in attachment one here, and there could be more property owners as well in the same or similar zoning. We just didn't happen to find those. So in light of all that, we have a solution, and these were two well, three solutions that we recommended to the Planning Commission. Um, one of them was that the board overturn the denial of the administrative use permit here, finding that Weddings and similar events actually are deemed consistent with the current ordinance. In other words, you continue to interpret your ordinance in the way that you've been interpreting it for decades. That's our first suggestion. Now, we understand well that the events that were requested in this AUP, those time frames have passed. But it's very important that the appellant does not have, one, a violation on their record. They don't want to operate in a jurisdiction where they're deemed to be violators, number one. And number two, it's an important issue for everyone in the county who is interested in having a, um, hosting a wedding on a property, a commercial, for, you know, commercial purposes, that this issue be clarified. We think it's very important. And at some point, 
they would like to go back and request an administrative use permit for four or five events over a, a specific period of time on their property, which is what staff had recommended to them. Although not in the ordinance, staff had indicated, well, if you want up to five um, events on your property, you get an administrative use permit. Any more than five would require a conditional use permit. And at this point, the appellants would be happy to be able to go back and request five events, show their neighbors that they can be good neighbors. And they have actually identified specific conditions of approval that could be applied to this permit to address the issues that have been raised by the neighbors. And those conditions of approval are also included in our material, those proposed conditions, and they were presented to the Planning Commission as well. So that's the first option. The second option is overturn the denial of the AUP and direct the Planning Commission to recommend a modification to the zoning ordinance to include weddings as special events in the ordinance itself. That sample language is set forth in Exhibit 3 of your materials. So that would be the amendment to that code section. And number 9 and 10 um, are highlighted, and that would be the modified language if you looked at Attachment 3. And then the third option, which isn't really um, desirable, the third option would be that if neither of the first two options are possible, the board would really have to direct the county to immediately commence enforcement against 31 other venues in the county who also are operating without a permit in the same or similar zones as the appellants properly. That would result in the closure of all of your wedding venues uh, throughout the entire unincorporated county. And clearly, that is not what the appellants would desire here, but I don't know what the other option is. And I would be interested in hearing other options. But as my initial uh, conclusion here, it's important to underscore that the appellants have no desire to shut down any other wedding venues. It's clear that this county is a desirable wedding, wedding venue location. I would have not known this because I don't live here, but it is very, very popular. And there are people who are desirous of having weddings at all of these locations um, and have been happy to go to their location as well. But on the, you know, so we don't want any other venues shuttered as a result of this. But on the other hand, they want to be treated fairly here and they don't believe they have been treated fairly here. And they would like to, as I indicated, be able to move forward in the future, seek an administrative use permit with conditions of approval as, we, as we've recommended in our materials and be able to demonstrate that they can be the good neighbor and address the issues that have been raised as to noise and traffic. So with that, do you have any questions for me? Any more questions? Is there any board questions this time? No? Thank you, Thank appreciate you listening. And Thank you. When we come back, Gabriel, Julie? Rebuttal to that? There's quite a lot to respond to uh, from that particular brief. And I'm just going to take it one at a time. Uh, let me take the, um, the solutions that were being proposed. The first one uh, would be that the board actually overturns the denial. Um, if the board was going to do that, 
you would have to make findings similar to the findings made by the Planning Commission to, uh, to deny the application in the first place. And you can only make those findings based on whatever evidence has been proposed, uh, has been presented. Uh, some of the information being presented this evening, uh, the attorney has alluded to that uh, you know, came yesterday. So I don't think you've actually had adequate time to digest them. But I, but I think you have enough time, you've had enough time to look at the staff report, you look at the findings of your planning commission, and, and the letters uh, in favor or, or against, uh, you know, the proposal in, in front of you. Uh, the, the second proposal uh, would be for you to uh, overturn the denial and then ask the Planning Commission to do a code amendment to change the definition of, of, a, of a special event to include weddings. Uh, I can't speak for the board on, on that particular issue, but I don't think we have uh, at any time in my tenure uh, with the county made a, an interpretation that is contrary to the to uh, you know to what uh, the, the, to what the definition is in the code. And as far as the 32 other wedding venues uh, in the county. Uh, some of them, uh, first of all, the county operates strictly on a complaint basis. So I, I have no idea actually how many wedding venues are out there. Uh, there might be some that are operating illegally. There might be some that are operating under uh, the agritourism uh, umbrella. Uh, but, but there are several different scenarios. And I think we cannot just group all wedding venues together and say, oh, the county is trying to ban wedding. We're not trying to do that. What we're actually trying to do is to look at each individual property, each individual location, each indiv individual circumstance, and then make the appropriate decisions based on what we find. Um, I cannot speak uh, 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 to the fact that we are violating somebody's uh, First Amendment rights. I'm not an attorney, but uh, you know, as a, as a practicing planner, uh, I, I don't think you know that. Um, I'm just going to have to defer, uh, you know, to, to, to county council to handle that. So, um, with regards to any kind of efforts being made by the applicant, I have never been approached uh, by the applicant to a reduce the number of uh, attendees to the weddings. Uh, uh, I've been quite open with, you know, with communicating uh, with the applicants on that particular regard. Uh, I have uh, never been told that, you know, they're gonna reduce the intensity of the, of the activities on the properties. In fact, we, we have information to the contrary. You know, the, the, the big plan really is to make this a wedding venue and 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 the issue with that is still going to be the same how do you exist when you are surrounded by other similarly zoned properties in a wide open setting and that is the crux of the matter in my opinion julie yes uh, i think a lot of the points that uh, mr elliott's making are are very well taken. I would like to address some of the more 
technical or constitutional issues. And I think the first thing I need to say is that in our county code, in the zoning code, we specifically say that issues that are not given to the planning commission to review are not proper before the appellate body. We're here to decide whether the planning commission using the evidence and the arguments presented to it at that hearing made the correct decision. There's a lawyer on the on the planning commission who would have been perfectly capable of reviewing any of these constitutional issues. They could have been made um, at the time. And I don't see um, how it would not be a violation of our existing county code to allow those arguments to come into play at this later appellate stage. So let me just start with that. There was definitely no mention of the uniformity rule. Um, I guess I shouldn't say definitely. My memory is not perfect. I don't remember any discussion of the uniformity rule. I don't remember any discussion of constitutional violations or equal protection. Um, there's nothing unfair about how Mr. Elliott interpreted the code and the board is certainly free to interpret it differently. Um, the board is also free to direct us to broaden our definition of special events and come back with a new ordinance. But as Mr. Elliott said, that's not necessarily going to resolve the issue of the other basis for, bases for denial that the planning commission noted, which was the evidence that was before them of the impact of these events on the neighboring properties. So I'm hearing Ms. Kinderman saying there's no evidence to support the finding and therefore we're violating their constitutional rights and it's about banning weddings. Um, there's nothing in our county code that bans weddings. There's in our county code a provision that if your use is listed in your zone, it's allowed. And in the RR zone, if it's not listed, it's not allowed. There's nothing in there that says weddings aren't allowed. Um, it is true that wedding venue or special event venue, it, private special event venue is not, in my knowledge, listed in the code. But there's nothing illegal about not having it listed in the code. There are other zones, like the REC zone, where the planning director would have the authority to find that the types of events that the Nemeths want are indeed allowed in that zone. But there was no application to rezone the property to one that would allow these events. We were limited by the application that was filed. So the evidence that the planning commission looked at what, and that Mr. Elliott looked at was, first of all, the language of the code, which if it has a clear, plain read, such as events to which the public are invited, there would be no need for Mr. Elliott to go into the bowels of history and try to understand what was meant by that. It was clear as far as Mr. Elliott was concerned. So that was the first piece of evidence. Now, this brief came in at the very last minute. I haven't had time to digest it, but I did take a glance. And there's some legislative history documents that were proposed as evidence that the board intended private special events to be included. However, all it shows is that a special definition for private event was crossed out and a special definition for public event was crossed out. And what was left is the definition we have today, 
where the board says events to which the public are invited. That evidence can be can, can support Mr. Elliott's read of the code by suggesting the board actually thought about having a, a separate definition for private events and chose not to actually implement it for a reason. And I submit to you that the reason, if you look at all of the nine examples of special events that are listed in our definition, every one of those are community-oriented events like parades, like flea markets, like other cultural activities that are occasional, that are for the community to enjoy. And that is what the board was thinking about, we submit, when it decided to look at the definition of special events. And for the use proposed by the NEMED, I think the board, we could easily interpret the evidence they submitted as evidence that the board didn't see uses like the Nemeth's events as the same type of uses. A special event venue for purposes of permanent fixed commercial events to be held outside all the time, <clears throat> that is not something that we believe the board intended to place in the RR zone. It's not listed there, nothing similar is listed there. And frankly, in the RR zone, even if something similar was listed there, we can't even approve similar uses in that particular zone. In the REC zone, the recreational zone, which is developed for location-specific recreational activities like carnivals and other large concert-like events that have noise, we can say that a private special event venue with a long series or a continual series of special events, that can be allowed in that zone right now. If there was no application to rezone the property to one where that could be allowed, that was not part of the application. So the other piece of evidence that the Planning Commission looked at was the application itself. These were not for small events. It was not for one event. These were, it was an application for four events that were listed as private events, private weddings for 300 people maximum, 150 or 175 cars maximum, um, outdoor with amplified sound for four to five hours. And there was, they voluntarily included a proposal for, a larger event venue that would have more of these events. And even though technically not part of the application, they wanted the planning department to know that they were planning for this to be a permanent fixed event venue. Again, that doesn't have to be part of the decision, but the applicants were in charge of what they applied for. And we took the application and what it said as evidence of what was being proposed. So with that information in the application and looking at the language of the zoning code and looking at the fact that there were other zones where these types of uses are allowed, the Planning Commission then also heard the testimony and comments of the neighbor notice, the neighbors that were required to be noticed. And all of the, the vast majority of the neighbors came forward and provided actual evidence of how the findings can't be made that the noise and the traffic would, af would affect their well-being, 
So they actually, the plant, because these events had been held without permits, there was actually evidence in front of the planning commission of the actual effect on the neighbors. And so if you're not allowed under 1783 to grant an AUP, if it has the potential to significantly affect public health, safety, or welfare, when you have actual evidence uh, that that effect has already happened and the proposal is for events of the same size, there's plenty of evidence there to support the Planning Commission's decision. Um, as far as uniformity in zoning, what uniformity, the uniformity rule, and I forgot what the government code section is, stands for the notion that if you have a parcel, if you have a zone and there's multiple parcels in that zone, you're not allowed to say, well, even though I'm gonna say, Supervisor Garamendi, you have a, a parcel in the RR zone. Supervisor Follinger, if you have a parcel in the RR zone, even though it says that special events are not allowed in the RR zone, we're just gonna say that that's what it says, then I'm gonna still find as the planning director that your parcel, Ms. Supervisor Garamendi, yours is somehow special and we kind of like your special events. So we're gonna go ahead and treat those differently. That would be an abuse of the uniformity principle. As far as I know, none of these other wedding venues have applied for a permit and been analyzed in this way by the planning director. So yes, if the NEMAs are the very first application, then the NEMAs are going to be a case of one. So there's no evidence that was placed in the record of Mr. Elliott making contrary decisions with similarly zoned properties where similar events were proposed. So there's no violation of that. This is not an enforcement hearing. The fact that enforcement in this county is complaint-based is not going to give rise to a violation of equal protection. It's also not gonna give rise to a violation of the uniformity rule because our ordinance for code compliance does not live in the zoning code. And the uniformity rule is about the zoning code. And so the fact that enforcement, Mr. Elliott's job is not to enforce the code. If people make complaints, then code compliance has, I know they have a, some sort of a triage structure that they use to look at the complaints. So when Ms. Kinnerman says in her brief, if you, it's not fair, you're gonna have feisty neighbors and then you're more likely to have some enforcement, that's absolutely correct. If somebody's committing a crime and the person who's been hurt by the crime reports it, they're more, that criminal is more likely to be arrested. That's not a violation of equal protection. It just so happens that somebody had the guts to report it. So anyway, that's, I mean, I know I've gone a little longer than I should, but I felt it important to address um, some of these new issues that were never looked at before and, and disabuse the board of the notion that Mr. Elliott has somehow been unfair to the NEMAs because that's just simply not true. Supervisor Stopper. Uh -huh. Ms. Julie Moss-Lewis, um, you, you sort of start out, out with this, I think uh, Mr. Elliott brought it up. Now, I know you haven't had the time to fully go through this. This is somewhat new to us. How much of this was presented during to the planning commission? 
None of the brief. None, none, none of this was in there. I mean, I can't sit here. I, I would say maybe a little bit of it here and there, but. I can't recall, much. right, as I sit here, everything that was in the brief, but I don't remember having seen or heard any of the arguments made to do with. Is it true our policies and how we move forward as a board is when we consider this, that we consider facts that are presented to the Planning Commission moving forward? Yes, uh, Supervisor Stopper, I did have an opportunity to flip through the brief that was submitted, um, I think late last night and then in hard copy just now. And there are, you know, I did not, um, do an analysis of percentage, but there's a lot of legal argument in here that, um, to my recollection, was not made in front of the Planning Commission, and I did compare it to the brief submitted to the Planning Commission, and it's not in there. And you're correct, um, County Code does provide that issues that were not um, presented to the Planning Commission um, shall not be considered by the board. If the board feels that it is um, highly relevant, important information, you can, that would, influence a decision, you can kick it back to the Planning Commission. If, on the other hand, you don't think it rises to that level, you move forward. Um, so, yes. Okay. Um, I have more questions, but I can hold for a rebuttal. Yeah, and I thank you for bringing it up. I have it written down here, what you just brought up. So. And I'm not yeah. sure what was presented and what wasn't presented, so I, I, I don't know. Um, so, any other questions by the board? For Julie or Gabriel? If not, um, the applicant. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity to respond. Um, is our impression, our understanding that this appeal hearing is de novo, which is why those additional issues were brought in. And so I'd be interested in being referenced to the code section that says it's not de novo. Um, Ms. Kinderman, it's 17.98.070 yeah. uh, of the zoning code, Calvers County Code has procedures and um, states that all relevant and known facts must be presented to the planning department staff and to the planning commission. And that if new information is presented at this stage, if the you know if the board feels the board has discretion to remand, right? But but those are facts. I'm not presenting new facts. I'm presenting law. And that is the nature of a board hearing to be able to hear that law. I understand. And that's and our understanding of it. And that's why I presented that law, just so you realize. And yes. for that reason, um, you know, it is within the board's discretion. But, you know, these are not, in my opinion, there are not new facts that have been presented that would warrant this being remanded to the Planning Commission. Yes. Um, Should I say? No, no, absolutely. Okay. This, is for, this is for you, Diane. Thank you. Can, can, yeah. Um, uh, number one, are these parcels that you noted here law, or are they facts that you're presenting? They were presented to the Planning Commission. That, okay. that, that exhibit was presented to them. That exhibit was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was okay. presented to them. See, I don't yes. know that because that's no, the okay. Yes. Very good. Now I understand. Thank you. And I just want you to understand what we're, where we're coming from. This is de novo. We yeah, in terms of the law and the facts that were presented are the same. We've not presented any other facts. Okay. Okay. Any other, do you want me to respond to anything yeah, else that, oh. You're, you have the microphone, you can. All right, respond. so um, one thing I don't have in front of me was a letter from Mary Pitto, who was a an interim planning director and had worked for the county for a period of time, who was around at the time that that ordinance was adopted, and it was her, um, and she sent that letter, I don't know if you had an opportunity to see that, it was sent yesterday morning, maybe around noon. 
I believe, and I'm so sorry, I don't have that with me. I could pull up on my phone, but um, her interpretation is the same as ours. And I, um, uh, you know, we're not trying to dig into the balls of history. We're just, we're trying to make sense. Lawyers like to tease each other. We, we're just trying to make um, sense out of why all the other venues were allowed to operate without having to get a permit. When my client went to staff and said, we want to do the right thing, for two years, they talked to staff. Staff knew they wanted to have a wedding or two at their property. Staff knew this. Staff said, go get an AUP. So that's what they did. That's what they did. If, if they had just decided to do whatever all the other 31 people did, or 31 landowners, they would just started to have weddings. They wanted to be good neighbors. So we're not, the staff was trying to be helpful to them. We get that. I talk about some of the dialogue and some of the inconsistency because there is some inconsistency in your code. Also, nowhere in your ordinances does it define weddings. It doesn't say weddings anywhere but yet they're being held here, which is why we think it makes sense for some to provide an interpretation, really, of what a special event is. So I don't think the neighbors would be too excited. I also don't think that the my client would get a permit to have a circus on their property. It is 24 acres. There is a lot of room to move, but I don't think, um, I think it was like race, car races, um, carnivals. I don't think that would be very welcome at the property either. I think Four weddings of 150 people in the middle of their property on 24 acres, I don't see how that's going to interrupt um, the, the peace and welfare of, of the neighbors. And I do know politically that neighbors' complaints are important. They, they're very important to a community. My client wants to be a good neighbor. There are two other wedding venues on that road. Nobody's complaining about those wedding venues and all the traffic on the road. There is a hay business on that road with big semis going back and forth. Nobody's complaining about that. But they have two weddings here and everybody's in a big tizzy. So one of the things the appellants have done is they have moved the tent because the neighbor who is right next door is the one who has indicated they've heard more of the music, whatever they've experienced. They have since moved that tent more to the center of the property so it'll be further away from the other neighbors. So they have moved that tent. They have decibel equipment. They're all, they can park everybody on their property. They don't want more. They don't have 300 people on that property. They don't want more than 150 people. They can't. There's just the two of them. They can't handle more than that. So one I think this county's got to sort through what really isn't clear in the code. And this is common, and not everyone's code is perfectly crystal clear on everything, but it's sort of coming to roost here on one entity that's trying to, to hold some events on their property. On the issue of, well, we have a letter from their attorney, me, saying here's what our plan is. Well, when I was initially contacted, the clients had received an enforcement notice because they had graded to place the tent. They had conducted grading. They had moved more dirt than they should have without a grading permit. So they were in a violation scenario. And when they told me what their goal was, I said, well, if you were going to do that, we would need to meet with staff, see if that's acceptable, and, and work through getting a permit from them. That is all we said. We have not put our fist down and said, we're demanding that this be a permanent wedding event venue. 
you know, they, they obviously came forward with uh, an application for four events. One was a fireman's ball and four weddings. That was it. This is all we're talking about. We're not talking about a CUP for the next 100 years for a wedding event venue like what's going on at these 30 other locations, 31 other locations. That's not what we're dealing with here. So, um, so those are my responses to some of the, the, the comments made. I understand what, what council uh, is saying, your county council. I do think her comments make sense, but I wanted to clarify a few of those as well. Okay. Any other questions right now? Questions? No? Thank you. Thank you kindly. And at this time, we will open it up to public comments. <laughs> Good afternoon, Board of Supervisors. Thank you for your time and consideration on the subject. Before I begin, I want everyone to take a second, pause. Think about when you started off your career, business, or being an entrepreneur. Think about how hard it was to do things the, for the first time and try to do everything right. Lastly, I want you to think about how much you would appreciate the support from veterans of that prof profession. When you think of community, you think of the people working together to build, up, to build each other up rather than tear each other down. As I'm sure you are aware, I am the sole owner of Newmouth Manor. I am a, a, a wedding and event venue in Angels Camp that I have been running with my husband and family for the past three years. Before we bought the property, we made every effort to investigate the county's rules, regulations, concerning the extent of our plans for the property. In fact, we reached out to the county on August 20th in 2019 to determine the applications, use permits, and reports um, that would be required. We, we made contact again in September 2019 to confirm that what we, were, what we planned to do. Only in November 2019 did we make an offer on that property in the safe knowledge that we can meet the county's requirements to operate our planned business. Due to COVID, it took us 11 months to close escrow, but we finally had our dream home. We were engaged to get married. We sold both of our previous homes in order to make this happen. We knew it was well worth it, um, as this was to become our family home. We moved to this county with the intention of building our dream and starting a family and launching a business. At the end of 2020, we applied for our business license under the name Nemeth Manor an event venue. In order, in order to complete the, the approval process of our business license, we received sig signatures and approval from planning, building, health, and assessors departments. We not only had on-site inspection from the, from the uh, building department, the fire department did an on-site inspection as well. We hosted our first wedding in June of 2021 and my husband and I got married on our own property in July of 21. We only had eight weddings in 2022. We had, we booked, and we booked 16 to be held in 2023. We have been, we have been trying to understand why new requirements have been now, at, have now been added to our venue and not consistent with, with, sorry, consistent to prior inquiries for permits needed to operate as a venue. One example, one example of the use of the, one example is the use of the event tent on our property. Before purchasing the event tent, the building department informed us we only needed to have fire department to sign off. 
We then sent, sent the fire department all the specifications on that tent before purchasing it to ensure we met all the requirements. After their approval, we purchased it and installed it in 2022. Their permit approved our tent for one full year. In November of 22, only nine months later, we received a code violation from the county that said we did not have a permit for it. My husband talked to the code enforcement officer about, about it and was told to fill out the permit from the building department. This was a no cost permit and was said to be over the counter. Even though we met all the requirements, we were not issued the permit. Instead, a meeting was scheduled um, with all the county officials to meet at our property on January 6th of 23. Even after this meeting, we did not have resolution, and even though the most of the county officials stated they wanted to, to help us get through this and figure out how to, pro figure out how to, pro how to proceed. Due, due to all that transpired, we were forced to cancel and refund five weddings and as well move another four to a local venue, creating financial, financial hardship, both unexpected and unexplained, given to the long approval process. We did have one family wedding in April and a family friend's wedding in May and June. We did not understand how we could have been given our business license to, to operate as a wedding and event venue for the past three years, then been told we are in the wrong zone to be, to be a wedding and event venue. In addition, there are nine other venues in the same exact zoning and over 33 venues in the county that according to the uh, planning department are not licensed or permitted to operate as wedding venues. How is this fair or reasonable? Please keep an eye on your time. Okay, I just a little bit left. We have spoken with a number of the venues and we, have, we are the only ones that have been singled out and seemingly targeted. Your time, this, your time is up. Okay, can we just, I have one second, one more second. Because I'm actually part, I was supposed to be part okay, of that. But your, your time is up. I have to allow everybody else one more second. I have to be fair here. You can have your husband finish reading. Sorry? Sorry, okay. You can have your husband finish reading it for you. He has time. Thank you. Okay. Hi, my name is Jennifer Buenismin. Um, I'm going to be finishing up uh, the last part and then uh, speaking on behalf of uh, Morgan Gassier, um, a seven-year resident of Calaveras County. Um, so from where um, was left off by Allison Nemeth, um, from the start, we have tried to meet all of the county's requirements. Each time we do, more barriers pop up in our path. Who is behind these shifting requirements? We are not asking for preferential treatment. We are asking for the fair and equal treatment, like, the shown, like those shown of the more than 33 wedding venues already established and flourishing in this county. We've made this community our home, been honest by our, by, about our intentions and our good, responsible neighbors. We're asking that our appeal be successful so that we may receive a permit to resume our business. She just wants you to go back and think about that first thing she talked about and remember that you guys are leaders of this community and what you say holds a lot of value. Um, please support a family business with reasonable solutions, not barriers. She just wanted to say thank you for your time. And then I know I have a few more minutes, so I'm going to read a letter from, like I said, Morgan Gassier. Like I said, she's a business owner here in Calaveras County. 
She said, good afternoon, supervisors. I knew the name was when they were considering buying property in Calaveras County. They chose to come to Calaveras to build their home and their businesses with intention to be rooted and invested in the community. The name spent considerable time prior to placing an offer on the property, investigating what could be done and how to do it best. I understand that the planning department is proposing the conversations were held by the beginning of being the name of the newness could not hold weddings on the location, but this must have been a miscommunication. Logically, I find it difficult to understand why a young couple would put everything they have into developing a, developing a property for weddings if they knew they wouldn't be approved. This situation is so disheartening and difficult. While I understand perspectives on both sides of the coin, my concern is what this means for prospective Calaveras County owners. I had similar challenges when my husband and I first opened our business in Calaveras County. We were told conflicting information, even found the county code and law had conflicts, or at best gray areas, between each other, between each other at times. This story is more, is more than about the meanness. It's more than wedding venues in general. It's a story to ask the local government makes it how the local government makes it difficult to do business in Calaveras County. I hope that we can continue to improve systems and processes so further business owners don't find themselves in a similar situation with the meanness, investing everything just to lose it all. Thank you for your consideration and an additional perspective as she as she wasn't able to be here today. Respectfully, Morgan Gossier. Thank you. Other public comment? Yes, Brent McManus again. Um, before I make my comments, I want to uh, give a compliment to your planning, our planning commissioner. Uh, over the last six or eight years, you know, we've been involved in ordinances, appeals, Every kind of uh, uh, legal uh, mumbo-jumbo you can get into. I have never seen such a pristine, well-put-together document as what Mr. Elliott and his staff have put together. It is concise. It has uh, all the citations in it. I checked them. They're all there. It flows nicely. And it has a sense of what we're to do with this county and what we're allowed to do with ordinances. Now, sometimes you can say, well, this barely fits into this category. And maybe we can squeeze that in. But then you have to ask another question in a county like Calaveras. Does it make sense? Is it appropriate? Is it about the county rules ordinance? I haven't heard that come up anywhere. I went through all this years ago with the uh, Richardson case. You know, we wanted to have special events. All the neighbors were upset. Because they live in this county. They live out in the topography. That if you leave a lady around, you're a neighbor two lots down can probably hear it. Sound travels. Having, you know, Bob Marley on the railings playing 300 feet away from you, you're not going to be able to shut that out. So that's not appropriate. And as we see a lot of times when there's a uh, conflict between um, applicants and county ordinance and all the rest of it, when they find themselves sideways to the ordinance, what they do instead is start changing the definitions. They want to change the conversation, and that, in effect, changes the meaning of the ordinance. And they'll argue that point. I don't think there's any shortage of wedding venues in Calaveras County. You know, some of the most famous would be like Ironstone. 
you know, they, they do it all the time. We'll be a great show. We've been having roofers almost every weekend. There's several of them down there. They're wedding rooms all over the place. When I when there's one at Dice Station, I live two miles away from Dice Station. At night, in the summer evening, I can hear the music. Doesn't bother me that much. I just turn my mouth a little bit louder. But citizens have a right to enjoy their property, what they expect from their property. You know, most of the citizens in this county, if you were to take a census, are better not as old as I am, uh, but they're sneaking up on me. And they came up here after working hard all their lives to get money, to buy a house, to find a place, whether they're still raising kids or it's just a mom and sitting at home enjoying the fruits of their lifetime, lifetime labors. They want to be... They want to be able to enjoy that. This county has had assaults from every kind of industry, and we've had to fight it off because it impacts the citizens. You know, we don't care about someone's profit. We care about someone's solitude. We care about the covenant that is made with property owners, and that's called zoning. It's there to protect the citizens and the property owners. And if you want to go around it, it's a long ways. And, you know, I trust the Planning Commission, I don't think I ever said that before, but uh, I think the Planning Commission probably looked at it, and uh, if it were three rooms of the matter, I don't know what you're going to appeal it on. You know, either that or you're telling the Planning Commission they don't know what they're doing. I've seen them do hundreds, and they're usually pretty thorough, they go through it, you know, they hear from the applicants, the appellants, and everything else. So, um, but we would have to be just some huge, huge problem, you know, with the denial to even consider it. So, you know, I'd ask you to say, support your planning commissioner, support uh, your planning director, support your planning commission, and respect the, um, uh, the needs of people who live in this county. There may not be a district, I guarantee some of them are, in each one of your districts. So, um... You know, I'd hate to see it uh, overturned. You know, a lot of work's been very, very thoughtful, uh, seemed a absolutely accurate, and uh, I would encourage the board to support the planning director and the planning commission. Thank you. Are there are any other public comments? My name is Christopher Bummer. I'll be reading from a prepared statement. I've been in Murphy's residence since June of 2015. I'm speaking today in support of Jonathan and Allison Lima's appeal of this county's selected business oppression. We are doing our best to be ethical, law-abiding, decent, and contributing citizens. First, Calabas weddings represent $24 million annually to this county. I've addressed this issue during my last appearance before the Board of Supervisors. This matter has the wedding industry in this county on edge. Second, I too, as an event planner, have been on the receiving end of entrepreneurial careers and business suppression and have had my rights violated. Third, Martin, Hubbardy, and the family that family are wedding venue owners. I am an event professional. I own the Murphy's Witch Walk. In three iterations of my management since 2019, the annual Murphy's Witch Walk event has put an estimated $3 million into District 3 and 4 economies. The 2023 event would have brought an estimated $1.5 million into the county economy in one day. 
on suspending the Murphy's Rich Walk until October 2025. I focus my financial resources and time reserved for the Murphy's Rich Walk into the following activities for the long-term betterment of Calaveras County. I am tired of this institutionalized suppression of new business. This morning, I've launched Calaveras2024election.com and its companion website, Murphy's California Baptist. They are both live. They are populated with multiple posts detailing in part this county government's financial misconduct and negligence of public safety described in three recent grand jury complaints. My new efforts, the Murphy's Economic Development Alliance at Murphy's California Baptist, represented by legal counsel, is a unified, ethical, and non-conflicted collective of highly experienced and seasoned Calaveras County-based business owners, entrepreneurs, and supporters specializing in traditional and digital marketing, public relations, sales, tourism, entertainment, hospitality, special event production, software and computer technologies, construction, agriculture, accounting, corporate risk analysis, military and government communications, accounting law. This undertaking is a nonpartisan citizen initiative to enact change and elect non-conflicted, fiscally responsible community and business leaders to the Board of Supervisors to serve all county residents fairly and equitably. Underrepresented Calaveras County business owners and citizens have reached the limits of our tolerance with ineffective and conflicted Calaveras County government and are doing something about it in the 2024 election. In conclusion, I must quote McClain. Politicians and bikers must be changed often and for the same reason. Thank you. Dedicated supervisors, thank you for representing the people of Calaveras County. And I'm one of the 11 that are throwing a tizzy, I guess, um, regarding the venue across the street from us. Uh, when they did first start, it wasn't, I mean, we thought they were maybe going to have a few venues, a few wedding venues at their property. And as time went on, it was weekend after weekend after weekend of assault. They never did come to us as a neighbor and say, hey, we're planning on, on doing this on our property. What do you feel about this? Um, you know, all I've ever heard from them is that we're only going to have five weddings, five events, but yet she said they had had reservations for 17 that they had to refund money of some people. There was a poor lady here at the last hearing that we had that had scheduled a wedding that was going to happen the weekend after the, the hearing that she had to, to end and abandon and that she'd been planning for a year. What about people that are putting their lives of a special event in their hands? Their, their advertisement isn't down while they're pending determination of what's going to happen. And their cost, if you looked, they receive quite a bit of compensation. Um, I would find it hard to believe that the last two weddings since the last hearing that went on were friends and family. Um, I'm just saying I feel sometimes they think they're above the law. We try to comply with doing things as we're supposed to. And yes, it's bothersome to us with the extra traffic, the noise, the disruption to our animals that get scared. And 
I do thank you for thinking about the people that do purchase. We've owned our home for 23 years, and we've worked hard to make it what it is so that it's in a rural setting that doesn't have events every other weekend or weekend or even sometimes twice during the week. Thank you. Good afternoon, uh, good afternoon, Chair and Supervisors. My name is Stuart Roger. I'm from Angels Camp, uh, 1011 Bogtown Road. Chair Supervisors, thank you for the opportunity to comment on this item. My wife and I live at 1011, 1011 Bogtown Road and are part owners of 941 Bogtown Road, directly connected to the Nemus. We are here to ask the Board of Supervisors, to, uh, the Board, to support Director Elliott. Um, is denial of this application and support the County Planning Commission decision in denying the application. The Nunes have operated over the past year and a half normally and intentionally violating county zoning codes with a total disregard for the neighborhood. This is a uh, rural residential neighborhood as we're all aware and no place for a commercial business. Even after the County Planning Department and Planning Commission denied the Nunes, uh, they continued multiple multiple um, occasions to hold unpermitted events. Okay? Again, with no regard or respect for our county regulations and codes. I ask the board to please support Planning Director Elliott's and the Planning Commission's decision and deny their application again. Um, and I do agree with uh, Jesse here, the last two weddings, one held on the, I believe the 27th and 28th, and the 9th and 10th, I believe, I could be off on those, but I don't believe those were family or friends. I happen to know one of the couples that were married there, and I find it hard to believe they're related to them. The other was a Swiss couple, and I'm not sure that these people are Swiss, but I know they're Swiss because the neighbors across the street are Swiss, and they knew the people that were getting married there. So whether that's true or not, I find it very hard to believe. And another thing I just want to throw in there was, I don't believe the Nemus went to the Planning Commission until I filed a complaint. And I filed a complaint after talking to Mr. Nemus at our fence and saying, hey, this is really bugging the heck out of me. Could you do something about this? His answer was, oh yeah, yeah, we just gotta get through one or two more, you know, nine or 10 later. Another thing they will say that they've had 16 events where you can double those because there's an event Friday night and there's an event Saturday night. So if they had 16, they had 32. So I'm going to cut it off at there. I've got a couple minutes left, but I think that should do it. Thank you for listening to me. Hello, good afternoon, uh, supervisors and uh, planning commission. Our best friend at the moment, we really appreciate your uh, efforts in trying to uh, enforce the codes uh, so we can continue enjoying our properties. Um, my name's Louis Belanowski. I uh, bought my property off the of Dogtown Road uh, about 18 years ago, and, uh, and I retired about uh, 12 years ago. 
I used to be an engineer. I'm a registered California mechanical engineer. And uh, I hate to say this, but the class I hated most in college was sound and vibrations, which is coming back to haunt me here. I never heard so much junk about sound and vibrations. They just have no idea. You're going to plant a row of trees. Trees are worthless for stopping sound and vibration. And how many of us got 100 years for them to grow and even do anything to help? That's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. What about moving the tent? I'm the neighbor who lives probably closest to the tent. Oh, no, maybe, uh, sir, tell me. You need to talk to the board. Moving the tent a few hundred feet, it's not going to change anything. They blast their music so loud that uh, you can't even hold a conversation on my uh, patio. Um, talk about the sound distance. Um, I'm about a few thousand feet from there, um, less than that, probably 1,500 feet. Um, I can st hear these loudspeakers at Bret Hart, which is about two miles away. The train's fairly level around there, so if it's calm, uh, the sound will travel quite far. Uh, noise is by far our biggest problem with the Nemus. That circus tent does nothing. The flaps are up half the time anyway when they uh, entertain. Um, so the completely jump subjects, I'd like to know uh, what the desperate need is in Calaveras for one more wedding and event venue, with 31 of them already mentioned several times. Uh, is that a, such a desperate need that you would approve me with basically destroy the enjoyment of the property of uh, about 10 people who live next to them. Is, is that justified? I mean, do we need that extra wedding and event venue so bad? And what about economics? Uh, I don't think they're employing anyone full-time. I don't think they're adding one full-time job. All these other people are contractors, basically. That, they're, if they're not working for Nemeth, they're working for another wedding and event uh, venue. So what's, uh, the, I don't really see any great economic uh, benefit that's not already here. You know, you, you basically got a pie of so many weddings and events and organizations having events in, in a year. You got 31 slices of the pie now, and you got a big operation like Nemeth. I mean, they want to be another Ironstone, apparently. So everyone's slice of the pie, so Nemeth can squeeze in there, everyone's slice of the pie is going to get a little smaller. And, you know, uh, just following the papers off and on, some of our major places that host uh, weddings and events uh, seem to already be struggling financially, so that they need to have more business taken away. We got La Contenta, we got Forest Meadows, and... Uh, I walk my dogs around the Green Creek, uh, shoot, uh, Greenhorn, <laughs> thank you, uh, for 18 years that I've noticed their wedding and event uh, business has been on a decline. So I don't really see any great benefit of uh, squeezing one more slice in, into that pie. And what worries me more than anything, actually, is their interest in doing another uh, Ironstone-type rock, uh, well, concerts. Uh, that's even going to be a louder, amplified music. 
And uh, again, I don't know if we have a, a great need for one more in Calaveras. I mean, I just made a list here. We already have Ironstone, which actually brings in uh, top line uh, entertainment. We got uh, Bear Valley, we got Forest Meadows, we got the Calaveras Fairgrounds, we got the Murphy's Park with their frequent events. We got right now, we have going on the Calaveras County Music in the Parks program. We got the Copperopolis Town Square and their music. Uh, Twisted Oak Winery does stuff. And I'm sure there's uh, other, many others I've missed. So, do we need another major outdoor music venue? Sure, your time's up. Okay. Your time is up. All right. Thank you. Good afternoon. My name is Tony. <clears throat> And I have lived across the lake, the pond, from Jonathan, and I've been there for 31 years, probably the most in And I've been blessed when I bought the property. I love it. My wife loved it. She passed away already, but she's, she loved the place. And um, just some things I have to say that's going to get maybe some neighbors upset, because this is a very div divisive thing with the neighbors, obviously. And I've always been, um, I've always been um, on the fence because I've owned businesses before. I used to own the peppermint stick in Murphy's for 20 some years there, so I'm a businessman. I understand owning, operating a business, how hard it is. And um, I feel like we should be helping, applauding and being helpful of people that are trying to start a business today, especially in this environment. I don't do I don't definitely spend a dime right now opening anything right now. But they are, and they're having a hard time doing it. This is nothing personal with my neighbors or with the planning commission. They're just doing what they think and what with their best. And you guys have a difficult decision to make because it's gonna affect a lot of people. This is just not about them. This is what they say. It's about the relevant defenders. And there is an economic thing about this. Not just them. The people that come in, they stay at hotels. They, 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 they eat at a restaurant. They, they buy gas. There's a lot more to it than just what they drop at their venue. Um, and do I think there's a solution to this? Absolutely, I think there's a solution. Do I think everybody's gonna be happy about it? No, there's no way. Someone's not gonna be happy about this. Do I believe, do, do I think that this is gonna improve my property value? I think so. I'm not sure, I'm not a real estate agent, but I think it will, I think venues and the property surrounding that venue, I think property increases instead of decreases. There's a value to that. Um, do I believe in promoting a beautiful county? Absolutely. I've, I've been doing that for the last 20, 30 years at Murphy's. And I think people deserve to come up here and experience our beautiful county, right? We should promote that, not discourage, right? Mm -hmm. But I, I believe in creating supporting business. I've always been. 
Absolutely. That's something you guys should be very, very focused on, I think. It's part of one of the biggest jobs, right? Creating, creating that kind of business here. Be a healthy economy in, in, in our county. Uh, I believe in creating jobs. They might not be able to have a lot of people working for them. Like you said, only two people, whatever. We're not talking about just them. Restaurants gonna need more people to work, you know, and it, it trickles down every, to everybody in one way or another. Um, well, I believe there's a compromise. I think they're very willing to compromise, in my opinion. Um, I think they would love to work with the planning commission and you guys to find a way that that can make everybody sort of happy. No one's gonna be happy about this. That's sort of happening. Do I mind the music? When they first moved in, I got 15 seconds. When they first moved in, it kind of bothered me a little bit. It was something new, unexpected. I even wrote a letter to the planning commission saying that I wasn't that crazy about the music, but I believe in property rights. I believe that they have the right to try own a business out of the property. So I've been in the fence. I never came to uh, one of these things. I don't even want to be here today. And I spent a lot more time than I thought I was. I mean, it's 9 o'clock. But anyways, um, and there's a simple decision. I got 10 seconds. And there's a, a simple decision, I think. This is how I'm going to end it. Um, this, it's actually a simple decision. You have to decide what's more important. Your, your property of many, your time is up. For the benefit of a few. Thank you. Yeah, so, thank you. Thank you, sir. Good afternoon, Board of Supervisors. My name is Jonathan Nemeth. Thank you for your time and attention on this item. It is with great concern and trepidation I stand before you to speak at the issue at hand. How I, however, I feel it's that it needs to be said and documented. This is not a permitting issue, a traffic issue, or even a noise issue, and I'll demonstrate why and how. If this was a permit issue, then all 33 other venues would have been put on notice since the Planning Commission hearing on March 23rd when we submitted who the 33 venues were. We are in contact with several of those venues, and not one has received any notice or letter from the county. If this was a traffic issue, then the other two venues on our same road would have been put on notice, as well as the hay business that has semi-trucks of hay being delivered weekly, not to mention their own semi-trucks that go out for delivery, as well as the general customer base that comes daily to pick up the hay. We've been blamed for having cars parked on Dogtown Road. We have enough space on our property to accommodate the events we have had, and I've never had any cars parked on Dogtown Road. In fact, here's documentation of an event of one of our immediate neighbors to the south having a line of cars parked on Dogtown Road in which one vehicle is even partially blocking the lane where cars have to wait for oncoming traffic to pass in order to move forward. This is not a one-time occurrence. This has already happened twice this year, and the property owners have said that event alone had four to 500 people there. If this was a noise issue, Again, the three, the venue just three properties away would have been put on notice and have visits from the sheriff as we have. 
but no action has been taken against anyone but us. Neighbor Lewis Belanowski even asked during the March 23rd hearing, how many people is noise one of their main concerns? Could you put a hand up or say something? Only two people raised their hand and Mr. Belanowski immediately responded with, that's not too impressive and laughed it off. The county noise ordinance stated we have to be at 60 decibels at the property line to be within appropriate sound levels. We have decibel readers and during our event take readings periodically to make sure we are below the 60 decibel limit. If we are above, we go back and turn down the speakers. On Allie's friend's wedding this past May 27th, we were extremely diligent about keeping the sound below the 60 decibels at the property line. However, we still had a visit from the county sheriff's deputy at 9.30 p.m. He was friendly, but asked us to turn the music down. I asked him if, we were, if he would come to the property line so I could demonstrate how we were below the 60 decibel threshold. He responded instead, there's an email sent out countywide that was above his pay grade, quoting him, where they have to come out to any noise complaint about our property specifically. I asked, even if we we're below the 60 decibel limit, he responded by shrugging his shoulders and stating he would not come to the property line to confirm and that we just needed to turn it down. We ended up having to turn it down so low that our friends used their phones to play music to continue dancing as they could not hear the DJ's music. We've had several Angels Camp business owners, county business owners, and employees, as well as other venue owners, come forward since the last hearing, stating they completely support us, but for fear out of retaliation or being targeted, either in the past or fear of being next, they cannot come forward publicly. As my wife said, we are not looking for special treatment. We are looking for fair and equal treatment with reasonable solutions. Thank you very much. Good afternoon. My name is Francisco de la Cruz, and uh, I'm a little surprised hearing what I'm hearing uh, at this stage. Uh, to have 31 violators go unaddressed and to be using that as an example of why uh, that ought to be 32 versus the 31. Um, I've now been involved in at least four different incidences where some error was made, either a county planning error or a county uh, building code error or something that caused a great deal of kerfuffle. Uh, kerfuffle sometimes turning into dollars, leaving people's wallets and having to hire attorneys, et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't seem right to me to allow 31 businesses to violate county code, especially if you've been made aware of it. And it doesn't sound right to me to use that as a reason to grant somebody else the right to violate county code. The county code is either county code, or it's just a bunch of words that are meaningless to anybody and interpret it any way that it makes sense for somebody to take advantage of it. So either we're going to enforce the code or we're going to leave it alone for everybody. I don't think you ought to leave it alone. We in our neighborhood were specifically affected about two years ago, three years ago maybe back, previous planning director involved, they had given a business license to operate a wedding or events venue on 20 some odd acres, okay? And they already had a business license and it was a small business license doing business out of the home. The ordinance says 30% of the floor space of the home can be allocated to the small business. I said, well, there's no home there. It's a vacant lot. So 30% is zero is zero. 
cancel it. Wouldn't cancel it. So I finally found the ordinance that says, if the venue is located on a road that is managed by a road agreement, that road agreement needs to be modified to handle the increase in traffic, et cetera, et cetera. Fortunately, I was the road manager that managed that road agreement, and I told the planning director, officially, I will never submit it for a vote. It'll never get approved. Please cancel the license. It took several letters, but they finally canceled the license. I believe in playing by the rules. If you don't play by the rules, you can't complain when you're caught. And if you're caught multiple times violating the rules, you, in my mind, don't have any right to complain about being singled out. Okay? Now, for these other 31 other vendors that are out there making money and doing business, they're not playing by the rules. And where is our county enforcement mechanism? All of us are paying taxes for equal protection. We're not getting equal protection if code enforcement is not enforcing codes. Now, if you're a complaint-based function, well, maybe you haven't enforced the codes because nobody's complained. But they've just kind of sort of complained. So I would say that you've been officially given notice that you need to do something about these 31 other ones. Thank you. Hello, my name is Norm Warnick. I work at the Calvary County Fair. I've probably listened to everybody's parties and I live there at the fairgrounds. I, I'm the manager at the RV park, so I listen to everybody's parties. Um, I'm not dead, so um, I bred my horses at Jonathan and Allison's. Um, they are not frightened from the noise. They are maybe 30 feet from the tent, so my horses are fine. Um, also, it's been three years. It's taken three years for anybody to complain. So one year, two years, I can see. But three years, it wasn't until the tent went up that it blocked somebody's view from their pond because they know how no longer have their view. They got annoyed and um, actually the lady that lives next door works for the county, which is kind of a conflict of interest, I would think. Um, it bothers me that our young people are trying to make a living and they are not allowed to. After they put their money in, let them go for three years, let them spend all their money and, and set up shop, and then they complain. I think that's wrong. I think, I hope that you see that. I hope that you all make a decision in favor of Jonathan. And he, I mean, I just, I just can't hardly think how it would take so long for their animals to be afraid or, you know, for them to complain. I just can't see it. So thank you. Any other public comments? All right. Thanks for letting us talk. Um, move across the street and everything. And they did move the tent and everything in their last event and stuff. I actually called the sheriffs because I was laying in my living room watching TV. It's home alone. 
and stuff, and the house is going, mm, 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 mm. I'm like, you know, this, this isn't right. Okay, I, in all honesty, we're houses set back on our property and everything else. Sometimes really didn't hear them all that much unless we we're outside, which is fine, I guess, you know, but like I say, they're doing that for profit. That's not their mom, dad's anniversary. It's not their sister's wedding. It's not a common thing. Weddings will happen and everything. None of us are against the wedding industry at all. And like one gentleman says, do it by the law. You know, I own my own business. It's my 30th year up there. I started it from scratch. First thing I did is I found out what zoning do I need to put a body shop down? I just didn't go put one on our property like a lot of people do. Believe me, there are body shops every corner if you go look around. People doing their garage, whatever. I did it right. I've been called by the county years after I've open stuff, you don't have this. Oh, okay, what I need to do. They were very helpful in me achieving what needed to be done. So to say you don't know, the first thing you do when you open the business is what zoning do I need for this? I went to the county, they were, well, you could do this, you could do this, I walked out there going, okay, kind of, so I actually read it up. Okay, I need this, and I found it, and everything, so, you know, a little pre-thought there. And that, and uh, none of us like being up here talking about this. I don't like calling the sheriffs oh. and stuff. I really don't like calling the sheriffs. I feel like I'm wasting their time. There's really not much they could do. They could take the complaint, so it's filed and everything else. You know, if these people, I mean, Stuart's right. None of this started until Stuart went over to him and says, hey, buddy, that's, you know, a little too loud. They're really close to him. I feel sorry for them. And then all of a sudden this starts blowing up and now we're dragging all the other places. Yeah, they should be doing it by the book. That, that's what the rules are. That's what we all, that's why we have government and stuff. So anyways, that's all I really want to say. Thank you for your time and everything, so. Any other public comments? No other public comments or any public comment online? Yes, we have one public comment online. Chad Sesta. Chad? Hi, can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. Yes. Good afternoon, uh, Chair and Supervisors. My name is Chad Testa. I'm um, sorry I can't be there. I'm working in Yosemite on a time-sensitive project. Um, but thanks for the opportunity to comment. Um, I live at 941 Dogtown Road, which is directly connected to the Nemus. Um, I'm partners with my parents, Stuart and Melissa Raggio, on the property. And I'm asking that you guys support Director Elliott's denial on this application and support the County Planning Commission's decision to deny as well. Um, I've listened to my neighbors talk, and I have to agree with a lot of the things they say. Um, Jeff and Jesse, who was just speaking, my dad. And uh, I agree with them that, you know, we've all worked super hard to have these, these properties in this rural area and have some peace and quiet and... Um, uh, my parents work on the property like that out there and they instilled the same work ethic so I could chase the same dream and it's something we are very blessed to have and it's kind of, you know, been taken away with this venue next to us with all the loud music. You know, I like to have animals and when these events are going on, they're constantly running around spooked and 
Um, obviously, I'm right on the fence, so the sound is, I mean, it shakes my house, and it's hard to even, you can't, impossible to fall asleep. And uh, so, yeah, I just hope that you guys uh, support Elliot and the uh, Planning Commission, and thank you for your time. Is that it? There are no other online public comments. Okay, at this time, um, I'm going to close public hearing. I'll give you one. One. No, if he's already spoken. Okay. Okay. So if you want to say something, I'll, I'll, pardon me. May, if I might be able to rebut, I'll keep it very short. Yeah, you can rebuttal. And that there'll be the last time that you'll be able to speak, yeah. though, but come on up. And then staff will have an opportunity as well, and then... Huh? Then staff will have an opportunity yeah, as well. Yeah, staff will have an yes. opportunity. But for, for right now, um, go ahead. Thank you. I appreciate it. I know it's been a long day for you, and I appreciate every uh, all the comments made by the, um, the neighbors and everyone else. Uh, I just want to mention two things. Good planning is about... Um, is about facts and evidence to support some of the facts that are sta stated here. And there's not a lot of evidence to support some of the facts that were stated by the neighbors. They're not 100% correct. But their concerns are certainly justifiable, and we would want to make sure that their concerns are addressed. But good planning requires facts that are backed up. And those are not always the case here. But I just want to remind you, you know this. The board is here to solve problems. I think we have a little bit of a problem here. We have an interpretation that have been historically um, followed in the county that weddings, in fact, were special events. And um, that, that is our belief. And um, once again, one of my solutions is that you can solve this problem by either stating that you all agree that weddings are special events, or you can also direct the Planning Commission to come back with a recommendation to revise the statute as we recommended in one of the attachments here. The other uh, request is that we would appreciate that you overturn the denial of the application um, and they would be able to, in the future, that would be their decision to move forward with another AUP application, limiting it to five events or less, as staff has indicated might be acceptable, and it wouldn't be denied based on that definition of special events, whether or not a wedding is a special event. And one other comment, if you looked at attachment 10, which is the resolution that we drafted if we were to get um, what we'd requested here are the series of conditions of approval, 17, I'm sorry, 25 conditions of approval. These were pre presented to the Planning Commission. These are conditions of approval that the appellants would be uh, willing to abide by and any other conditions of approval that were imposed um, by staff relating to noise traffic and the neighbors concerns and it seems to me like it would be um, fair opportunity to let them show to the neighbors that they in fact would be good neighbors and if 60 decibels is still too loud they know they would need to turn it down because there's a code but there's also what might be a nuisance to neighbors and they we respect that we understand that the tent's been moved the person's view is restored it's not as close to the other neighbor it's in the middle of a 24 acre property I think it's it's a potential solution here. So you're here to solve problems. I know you can do it, and we so appreciate you listening to our comments and sorting through this um, thick document. We apologize for that. Thank you kindly. Anything else for us? Any questions? 
One quick question. Yes. Your application, your applicant said that they had 16 events this year scheduled? Mm -hmm. They, well, they had people calling them for events, and I don't remember how many they had scheduled. Your application says five. Five. Is like and 16. This was a while ago. They had requested it when they, yes. Okay. So you then they, we were told it had to be five, so then they dropped it down to five. So the application was for five. That's, that's correct. The application was for five. Yes. I just got confused when I heard it. Bigger numbers, and right? Five. Yeah, right. If, before they purchased the property, the due diligence was going to the planning department before they closed on the property. They thought they could do the events. That's why they were holding them. They thought it was okay. They're not scoff laws, so they thought it was acceptable. Obviously, it isn't. They applied. They were told to apply for an AUP for five events. That's what we did. That's all we're appealing. Three, uh, four weddings, sounds like a movie, four weddings and a fireman's ball, yeah. so. Okay. Any other questions? I so say that's Thank you, appreciate your patience, thank you all. Thank you. Um, Gabriel, Julie, you, you don't have anything else to add? Okay, I'll close the public hearing then and bring it back to the board for our discussion and decision. Um, Supervisor Fallendorf, this is your district. Do you want to start off? Yes, thank you. Um, first, I'm going to make a couple comments before I get into the um, the fact finding. Um, earlier, we said that um, you want to be part of this community. You try not to break this community. You just did. This was a memorial, and we're still all grieving. And I got number nine to go to tomorrow. So are you going to go back to and show up? And many of those people in this room are still grieving the people they just had to put six feet under. So you should be ashamed of yourself. This has been a pretty difficult <laughs> in my district, um, not only with the neighborhood, but also got multi-jurisdictions, fire department, and number of constituents both in the county and city limits. Um, I've been approached by both the applicant as well as the community on various issues of this. Um, I'm really glad to see that the city um, put in the point um, because those were some of the very concerns that city residents had. I think many of us in this room are very well aware of the issues that have happened in downtown road over the last decade. Um, which has also forced Caltrans, um to uh, threaten the city to close down and make a right turn in, right, right out, even possibly close downtown road um, because of um, traffic, um, which would then push traffic onto Gardner Lane um, into the city limit. Uh, to the points of public safety, um, they do go to the city. While this is in the county, the the concerns from the city residents and city hall, um, there is public safety issues. While the sheriff does respond to 911 calls if they're resident in emergency, it does come from the city. And there's been ample um, examples from the city in the packet that make that uh, those points. Um, also, the road impact. City receives 
little to nothing on the impact. So adding that amount of volume and the threat of potentially closing down Dogtown Road again, um, there's a serious concern with bottlenecking Highway 4 and 49. On page one, 1,290 of the um, uh, packet, it clearly showed in the business um, application that an APU was required from the get-go. Um, at the same time, I noticed that um, since this has gone through over the last couple of years, uh, prior to me being on this board, there has been a general plan adoption. But general plan adoption has changed our code in zoning. And that's what we're here for today, is the zoning of the, um, of the property and whether or not it is um, supported of an administrative use permit. Um, with the current zoning, zoning of the general plan, um, it is not conforming to the area of like-minded properties out there. It's inconsistent with the adoption of the general plan by the Board of Supervisors. Through this whole process, what I've started to see too is procedural conflict to manipulate the county employees as well. They might have looked at this prior, but things have changed since then. And what the county has updated over the last number of years of what we are allowing in those uses and standing behind on allowing those uses. That is not for commercial use, for commercial business. And it's been very, it's been heartbreaking too because we want to welcome new businesses into this community, but not at the expense that it's going to jeopardize the public safety of citizens of angels, which is a population of approximately 3,500 people, and also the residents of Dalton Road who have bought their home to live in peace and quiet outside of the city. And purposely have created their lives around being away from all of that. And I am gonna stay, I'm standing behind the um, planning department's decision on this due to multiple reasons. Thank you. Supervisor Stopper. Thank you, Ms. Fullendorf. Um, I've heard, heard a lot here and there's uh, some things from both sides. Um, first of all, someone brought up uh, another piece of the pie and impeding on other businesses. I'm, as a supporter of business in this county, if someone runs a business well, they, have, they deserve the ability to have a piece of that pie, re regardless of who they are and where they're from. With that, rural residential. I have the most rural residentials in the entire properties in the entire county when it comes to Rancho Calaveras. Over 3,000 developed properties. Rural residentials, ranchettes for residential homes. You know, small ranch type things and everything. People have been very clear that live in those areas that they do not want commercial businesses on those properties. Ms. Fullendorf brought up the general plan. Yes, there has been changes to the general plan. Not that much when it comes to rural residential. 
but the, you know, it wasn't completely made clear in the past prior to 2020 when we passed that, that general plan. But in 2019, we made a statement when we passed an ordinance when it came to commercial cultivation. Commercial cultivation or other commercial activities would not be allowed on rural residential properties. And that was the decision of this board. Conform to the areas around us was part of the general plan um, and staying consistent with different different types of uh, different different zoning in the area is we were trying to bring it in more because they, you know, it used to be in the county, a checkerboard. I called it no rhyme or reason said rural residential. But what, you know, Mr. Garmini brought up 1618 weddings. You said you had scheduled for 2023. Conceded that you actually had eight in 2022 before having any, any type of AUP. You also, proving a point, having an officer out to your house and you talking to him saying, oh, it was said from above, you said on May 27th, that was after you were denied. You said you had another wedding anyway on May 27th. That's disconcerting to me. There's three choices here through an AUP process that the planning director can go. Grant the permit, grant the permit with conditions attached or deny the permit. In certain situations, conditions attached would be the right thing to do. Right now, when you're looking at the property in 2019, I don't know who you talked to about rural residential, but it was, it was quite clear to me in 2019 that there was no way I would have approved as a board member a commercial business like this in rural residential. And it was the intent of the board when we put for denied commercial cultivation that we wouldn't let commercial type things into the board. And I'll say this, going through a list of properties here, thank God not one of them is in my district. <laughs> I'm double check, go through a couple of them, but not one of those is in my district. And my intent is to keep my district the way it is because that when the people move there, that's what their intent and their type of lifestyle is. So with that, I'm uh, gonna listen to what the rest of the board what has to say and I'll make my decision. Um, I have a request here and uh, Sheriff, would you like to speak? I'm gonna, I'm gonna allow him to come up and speak. Yeah, um, I just want to put my two cents for a thing because we're the ones that end up taking the calls um because it is in the county and i know that if something goes haywire out there um angels pd is going to be impacted because of our staffing levels and where you know the area that we cover but what i want to bring to everyone's attention is um penal code 415 subsection 2. Um, it basically talks about any person who maliciously and willfully disturbs another person by loud and unreasonable noise. This is a misdemeanor charge, um, and we can't arrest someone, we being sheriff's office or police, cannot arrest someone on that charge. However, if the uh, neighbors chose to file a complaint, 
they can sign a citizen's arrest form, and then it ends up going to the DA's office, where we'll end up having to go over and either write them a citation and or arrest them if they refuse to turn music down. So I guess what I'm asking is that hopefully we can get this thing resolved because not only is that going to impact Angels PD, the sheriff's office, and it could potentially impact the DA's office having to deal with the complaints because it's, uh, it is a misdemeanor. So I just wanted to be, let people know that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Sheriff. Is there any other board comment? Question? Um, I, I do have maybe a couple of questions. I, I'm, this is RR zone, and, and most RRs, a lot of, like Supervisor Stopper pointed out, is this in a subdivision? No, it's not. It's not a subdivision. Okay. It's just, uh, and, and most of the properties that surround it are RRs, zoned RR also? Yes. Okay. All right. Um, I think Supervisor Stopper brought up most of a lot of what I have written down along with Supervisor Fallendorf. Um, some of the venues that they're mentioning here is similar zones. C1 and C2 are not even close to anything R&R, which you're allowed to do in RR. Those are commercial zones, so I don't know where that's coming from. But um, I, I think <clears throat> I, I, I do have another question, though. You're still advertising right now. It was brought up that you were advertising current. Someone brought up and showed that you have current advertising. Is that yes or no? If I go to your website, are you currently advertising? Pull it up right now. Okay. I'm just asking you. I'm asking him, ma'am. I'm asking him. It's his question. Okay. I asked it to him. Okay. Thank you. Um, so I'll bring it up. Um, I'm open for a motion. Hey, I asked him a question. That was it. Motion? Supervisor Polidor? Move to uphold the planning director's decision. I'll have a second. I'll, I'll second the motion. I have a motion by Supervisor Fallendorf, second by Supervisor Stauber. A call for the vote. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Passes 5 0. We'll move on. What the room?
Thank you both very much. Oh, well, we're not, we're still live. Okay, we'll walk, move on to the next item of that supervisor's announcement. Supervisor Toffinelli, you're right. Sorry, my apologies. We'll move on to the next item on our agenda, which is supervisor's announcements. In compliance with Government Code 53232.3D, board members shall provide brief reports of any meetings attended at the expense of the local agency and may make other announcements or report out. We'll start with Supervisor Hubbardy. Thank you, Chair. I attended on Thursday the 22nd the CMCAA special meeting to complete the community action plan. And actually within that action plan, I believe it was the third um, item that was brought up was uh, help to pay utilities. So I'd love to just double check back with the CMCAA and see what they can do to help us with the um, people who need help with the uh, integrated waste management parcel fee. Uh, also, I want to bring up that Supervisor Fallendorf and I had met with the CEO and with our planning director regarding a historic ordinance, building ordinance, and I'd love to throw it to Amanda to talk about. Well, yeah. Okay. Supervisor Garamendi. Thank you very much, Mr. Chair. Uh, I, I, Sorry, Mike. You did what I did. Okay. Uh, I attended three IWM 218 town halls in West Point, County Hill, San Andreas. We had a West Point emergency preparedness meeting. Um, obviously, from West Point, attended a Golden State, chaired a Golden State Connect Authority Executive Committee meeting in Sacramento as well as attended the RCRC Golden State Finance Authority meetings since our last meeting. So, that's all I have to report. Supervisor Fallendorf. So to piggyback off of Martin, yes, we met with um, the planning department and the CEO about historic preservation and building. Um, there have been a number of community um, members that have come up to us um, asking um, to look into that, and we would like to see if the board is willing to put it on the agenda for discussion so we can share that information with the rest of you and what they're concerned from the community. And um, it also has come up in um, my copper community plan um, through the town hall and public comment about preservation of um, buildings in the historic areas. And so I think it's, it might be um, uh, something to consider. Um, I, that's also having a dialogue as well. Did I put that good together? <laughs> we did. Ben said no, but he gets it. And if the board is interested, our office would be happy to coordinate with the planning director to develop um, different um, options for the board to consider for per, um, historic preservation, including perhaps historic districts or just one-off buildings, um, just depending on what your board would like to see. We have a number of options that you could consider for historic preservation. Teresa, could I also add that I had heard from Shannon Van Zant at the archives that there were um, buildings 
that were not on the list that should be. So for example, like the Pioneer Hotel in, in Sheep Branch wasn't on the list. So I just asked her to make a separate list as well, just to keep count of those lists. So when those should be coming to you as well. That would be fantastic. I'm I'm always interested in discussion. Just uh, you know, bring, bring it into uh, Mr. Garamendi's world in McCallie Hill. You can open a whole can of worms going historic. So, <laughs> especially taking care of those buildings in the future. So, yeah. So it's a double-edged blade, but totally, we need to preserve what we have in the county, and we need to figure out the best way to And that was one, some of the concerns that we discussed, and how do we do that, and that's what we would like to. Um, that discussion about. Yeah, I think we ought to talk about it. I think it's much very complex. It's a very complex issue. You have a lot of sticky fingers all over it. So, but we should do it. Yeah. Well, thank you. Supervisor Stopper. Fine, we'll do it. That's it. That's all I have. That's all you have. Fine, we'll do it. Yeah, fine, we'll do it. As you know, I've been. Uh, keeping it myself and wor worrying about my health. So I missed out on our uh, meeting when it came to integrated ways and the fees uh, and validation stuff and a few other things in the last few weeks. So, you know, I'm Take important care of myself. Take care of yourself. No, that's basically. All right, I have nothing to report this time. Um, Teresa, do you have anything to report out? I have nothing else at this time. You're good, huh? Okay. Uh, Sarah, you want to report out on anything at all? No, I'm good. Oh, you're good? Okay. Well, how about Ms. Clerk? Do you have, Stacy? do you have anything, Madam Clerk? Is it a happy birthday? Happy birthday, Stacy, because I'm here with all of you. <laughs> on your birthday at four, almost 4 o'clock. That's right. <laughs> all right, with that, then we stand adjourned.